Dynamics 365 Saturday Scotland will take place on the 26th of January at Strathclyde University Tick. This could not be possible without our sponsors, Red Spire, Ebex, Incremental Group, and Cognitive Group. See you there. Welcome to episode three of whatever we're going to, I don't know what we're calling this. What are we calling this, Ian? I don't actually know at the moment, right? Stick your ideas on a postcard. Send yeah. it in a Microsoft form or something. Send it in a Microsoft form, tweet, whatever we want to. Um, if anyone hasn't recognised that voice, because this is like the first time it's actually turned up. <laughs> we, uh, it's myself, Mark, and we have Ian Connolly. Hi. So Ian's one of the co-hosts here, and he's finally turned up. I mean, I say turned up. He's wearing the same top as he was yesterday, so I don't know how much effort he's actually put into today. Well, short notice, really. Like I'm quite busy normally, and I look at my phone at 10 to 10 this morning. Yeah, I'm that lazy. Didn't get up. It's Christmas. It's that funny period in between Christmas and New Year when you do nothing. No, I do nothing. So, yeah, I'm wearing the same jumper because it was last minute, and I just really thought I have to get dressed for this because Mark likes to do it on video. Yes, I, I like video because I can see who's the way to talk, and I'm thinking Ian's kind of going for the whole... News reporter, look, are we going exactly. for that? Exactly. Yeah, this is very much anchorman element. If I stand up and walk away, yeah, I'm wearing yesterday's jumper, but it's questionable as to what else I'm wearing. And I mean, I mean, you say anchorman, I might rephrase that a little bit to something else that rhymes, but you know. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll let everybody figure that one out. <laughs> yes. Oh, the banter's flowing already. So, for anyone who doesn't know Ian, I mean, you've probably seen him online shouting, rubbing his beard, doing whatever he, he normally does. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I've actually had the pleasure of knowing Mark for many years now. I know lots of people on the podcast, it's either we've met over the last year or haven't met, but I've known Mark since basically my introduction to CRM itself, from CRM4. I worked for a, a partner who was the support desk for some place that Mark was working, and Julian was working there as well at Julian was slightly beforehand, but they, I helped go through a migration from CRM 4 to CRM 11 using dialogues for questionnaires for a call centre. I'm actually getting hot flushes just thinking about that. <laughs> I remember that point in time actually, like reading CRM 4 and 11 books, actually sitting down and reading the whole book. I'm like, I'm quick into this CRM, I don't know what this is. Learned a lot about it. And uh, I was also doing my CCNA at that point in time as well, so the Cisco Certified Network. Wait a minute, stuff. did I not give you a CRM book? Yeah, which I printed out and binded. No, I'm sure there was an actual physical book that I gave you as well. I'm pretty sure that somebody stole one. Or sorry, let, let me rephrase that. I'm pretty sure I stole that from somebody and then handed it on to you. Sorry, Julian. <laughs> no, I don't think it was Julian. All right. I think it was somebody... So I'm when I was at that place, I was I was the only CRM person at the time, and I moved sort of to sit with the data guys as they were learning it, and I'm sure it ended oh, up on my desk. It was the ITO book. Is that what it was? It was the big massive ITO folder. Oh Jesus! Yeah. That's what that was. So yeah, I done that as well. But so I ended up moving away from application support, CRM service desk, everything for a little while, and done a networking support job for a big Scottish rollout of a networking for the government, basically, and decided I didn't really like working European shift patterns, so totally came back to CRM, 
and went to been to a few different partners since then. I'm just honed my skills all the way from 2011 on prem, 13, 15 on prem on cloud, and I'm now in a position where I am contracting. Started contracting at the start of the year, working out for myself, which is good. It's definitely good working where I work at the moment. They are very bleeding edge and like to take on all the new technologies and look at all the new stuff like we're looking at some cafe x stuff which is pretty cool really simple to roll out some azure elements and different looking at the different auditing that you can do within azure and stuff like that so just really try to continue all your learning on that as well as as uh, ben volmer once said if don't get version locked you need to keep learning yes you can't you can't stay still because you end up in the past and then all of a sudden you've got either four versions to upgrade and it then becomes it goes from being a project to being a whole business what's the word for that business it's a, a, like a big red flag we're so out of date that we need to comes at risk yeah business risk that's we'll go with that that's all okay. i like that definitely does that. because sometimes you end up in the point where a business can be so far backdated that they're on like 2011 on-prem and they want to go to D365CE. Yeah. What's, the, what's the best upgrade path? Obviously, it's going as Microsoft has put it. Set it on fire. Well, yeah. And that's what a lot of businesses end up doing, I think, in my experience, is either go through the rollouts of all the way up on-prem and then move to cloud, or they just start a whole new instance on cloud yeah. and then move the data if they need yeah. to. Can they leave? They, they take that as a as a business risk. So it's interesting, definitely a little bit challenging. Export the data and set it on fire. Yeah. That's my. That's. I just love setting things on fire. Not that I'm a pyromaniac or anything, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Torch it. Something was the most humane thing. <laughs> yeah. Especially, I mean, you're going back what two thousand and yeah, you're going back seven and eight years for some people. I mean, that's even the technology functions that are there. I mean, even back in that one, it's all code. There's no business process flows. There's no roll-up fields. I mean, some consultants still to this day won't, are still in 2011, they won't let you use business rules or roll-up fields because, yeah, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, not, I'll not labour on that one. That's a whole other podcast. That is a whole other podcast, and we've got lots of experience of that in different places. Like, one organisation I've been... I swear it was a 2011 deployment and the person that built it must have been a NASA scientist. <laughs> the way that things were going, there was JavaScript with fetch XML, changing forms, and if it was this on this fetch and that on that fetch, or using this as a variable, make the form look like this and look like that, and you just go, today, I'd use North 52. Yeah. I always remember, I started somewhere... It was my last job, so right at the very, very start, somebody showed me, they said, oh, yeah, the CRM we've done, it's quite it's quite simple, there's not much to it. Exported the ERD for it. It looked like a fucking spider's web. Honestly, it looked like a big, huge spider's web, and no matter what I threw at it, it would just get caught in that web. It was horrible. So my solution for that one? Burn it down. I think, I the, think biggest, that's what like the biggest one I've ever seen like that, and uh, Janet Robb can testify to this, the place where I met Janet, they actually used, they exceeded the maximum of entities you could have on CRM and had to start removing stuff to add new stuff. What is the maximum? 
I don't even remember at the moment. I would need to Google it. It was, but it's. Is it three hundred? Well, it depends because it's different on the new licenses, isn't it? It may be. But this is some, all some different licenses have different entity limits in that now as well. Yeah, that's how many you can access and stuff like that. But this is actual system restraints oh, on how many you can build into that the whole relationship database. Jeez. It was it was a crazy amount that way. When you just think, why do you need that many? What is going on here? <laughs> the thing is, half the time there was a business case for it. Yeah, there there always has been. It's maybe one of these ones, and you you find it quite often with it. Oh, let's just put CRM in for sales. Oh yeah, let's just do case management. Oh, it'd be cool if we could add in the marketing thing, and then all of a sudden you're adding 10, 15, 20 additional entities to these silos and you're you think they're quite a lot and then somebody wants it for something different and you're just you're adding you're adding and no fault of anyone it's just different business parts of the business want to use it which is good because it shows it's a decent platform i don't know for me the fault there as well is that you don't employ a good ba Mm -hmm. to look at what you've got in the system to see how it can be reused rather than building for unit a building five entities and then unit b want another 10 entities but actually they might only need seven because three of them have already very similarly built within unit a so and i think some sort of ba or some sort of map would be good to have that but that governance doesn't always exist because there's nobody knows the whole landscape it's, it's almost yeah i i mean i would say that is i remember a project that i went on that had a ba on it and they they were a finance ba and they rebuilt CRM within CRM. So rather than accounts, we had companies. Rather than contacts, <laughs> we had peoples. You know the project I'm on about. I don't know you? what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting. That was like using <laughs> CRM as, as NAV or, or AX, whichever your preference, or finance and operations. But yeah, that was, that was interesting. That's quite a... Uh, that still gives me nightmares. Do you know what? It doesn't actually give me nightmares because when that went live, there was a lot to that system, but it actually ran quite well. I shunned it. Yeah, I know. You ran away. I ran from that. Like, <laughs> you I went on holiday ran. to Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so I go on holiday to Turkey and I come back with a new job all the time. This is the joke there. there is, it's a standing joke. I'm That's actually, actually really true. I'm going like, to send you to Turkey one year. <laughs> go away. Leave me alone. Go to Turkey. actually so true. Like, three jobs or something that happened with I went away on holiday and came back <laughs> to a new job. Yeah. So what Turkey Turkey is probably code name for Ian's uh, notice period. <laughs> <laughs> That's another joke there, but it's not it's not podcastable. <laughs> podcastable, is that a word? Broadcastable maybe. Mm. <laughs> we'll, we'll just make up words. Nobody listens anyway. <laughs> So where do you see yourself going? Is there any technology within Dynamics that's now that you really want to get your head into? For me, I definitely like Dynamics is a brilliant space, but I think there's a lot to get gleaned from Azure with Dynamics. I don't know a lot about Azure at all. For me, Azure was Active Directory. Yeah. And and that was kind of it. But you know, on the project that I'm on at the moment, we just deployed uh an acceptable use policy, which is through Azure. So basically when people sign into CRM, you pick that as the application, yep. they get given a notice to say, do you accept this? And if they okay. don't accept it, they don't get access. 
And I'm like, that's pretty cool. I know you could have done stuff like that within Active Directory as part of his your Active Directory, but I know that we previously before that's something that I'd have got a server team to roll out through SCCCM or something like that and have something where you sign onto your laptop. But this is very app specific. Also looking at things like application logging. Yeah. So this is kind of sits on what Julian will be talking about. Yeah, exactly. So he on Julian's podcast the other day, I knew that he was going to be doing some Azure stuff, but I didn't I've just been so busy organizing the event and doing stuff like that that I've not really looked at what the content of the blog what the sessions are going to be. But here in Julian's I was just like actually that's where I want to be. Like that's totally where I think there's a massive amount of space. And Julian's also doing the uh, assisted learning stuff. Yeah. That he's been tweeting on, but it sounds like he's had an absolute massive uptake on it. I got yes. another email from him yesterday saying, Look, are you sure you want to do this? And do you have any Azure knowledge, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. He's trying to whittle it down, which is yeah. amazing that he's had that feedback. It's amazing there's that much hunger for it. Yeah, it looks uh, good. I kinda just hope that I get on it. Yeah. We'll tell him we're not gonna let him speak unless he puts you on it. I don't want to start with that type of strike, right? Obviously. We hold the cards. <laughs> so I mean that's today we've got Ryan, Reese and Jonas with us. So it'd be interesting to see what what they're going to be doing their sessions on. Yes, I've never met Ryan, never met Jonas, met Reese once. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting, as you say, just to hear what they're going to say and, and how, yeah, what they're, what they're going to be talking about. It's cool. Right, so what we'll do is we'll just dial in Ryan now and have a little yep. chat with him and see how he's doing. Let's do it. So back on the podcast, we have Ryan McLean, who will be presenting at our D365 Saturday in Scotland on the 26th of January. So over to yourself, Ryan. Who are you and what's your background? What's your story? Uh, yeah, so, uh, so I'm Ryan McLean. Um, my background, I've, I've got a weird background. I actually studied law at undergrad at uni um, and did a, a, a postgrad in international IT law. Um, so obviously has a natural kind of synergy with, with Dynamics 365. Um, but I, I just kind of stumbled into it. Um, I got a job working for the university because I thought going to do two degrees there wasn't enough. Um, and I was working in their intellectual property team at the time. But like and being then, a professional student? Uh, yeah, I was really good. I was a student for like 10 years. It was amazing. Um, but, but yeah, I like had to get a grown-up job at some point. So I got a job for the university and they had um, a CRM system. It was like a research management system um, called KSS Tech Tracks and it was horrendous. Um, and they didn't really know what to do with it, but the commercial team needed to do something. I'm just a massive geek. So I was like, well, like, why don't we just fix this first? Um, and so I did a bit of work with, with that getting it like just getting it in line with our sales process and trying to get things kind of working properly. Um, and then on the back of that, um, my boss at that job got recruited by an oil company and then he recruited me. And that was my first introduction to Dynamics um, CRM 2011, as it was at the time. Um, and that was about eight years ago. Um, so I did that as a really small part of my job. I took it on because nobody else knew what they were doing with it. Nobody else was interested. And I was just really interested in kind of just anything. I'm a massive process geek. I hate like inefficient process. I'd rather spend like two weeks fixing an inefficient process so I don't have to do the same step 15 times over again. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of got got into that, taught myself through reading, I don't know, loads of blogs, particularly community forums, things like that, um, and picked it up from there. And it's kind of snowballed into now being my full-time job um, with uh, with with Hyman Robertson. So um, now managing the whole system for our 800 users. That's cool. It actually sounds like quite a... Everybody I spoke to about in Dynamics and the people I've come across, they all have a similar story in the way of, I fell into it 
it wasn't what I set out in my life to do. The company had this CRM system and somebody had to learn it, so I was learning it. And that's one thing that I think is quite amazing in the community that we have, actually, is everybody has a similar story coming from different backgrounds. You like, don't just turn around. Yeah, just there's turn no... around and say, I'm, a, I'm getting into CRM. It's like, oh, there's something not working, let's fix it. Yeah, it always seems to be the... Let me go, Ryan, sorry. Well, no, it's just like when I, when I was in high school, you know, I would never have known what CRM was. I still don't really know what CRM is. Um, but, you know, I just like, I just, it was never something that I had ever envisioned as being a career. It was just that we had rubbish systems and I really, it really annoyed me. And I hate, I hate people who just get, come into work and they just slog away for like eight hours just doing the same old crap every day because that's how it's always been done. And I, that's my most hated phrase. I, I it just despise it. I'm just like, why do you do it that way? Well, that's how we've always done it. It's like, have you thought about doing it? any other way whatsoever and they're like no no it's probably the biggest challenge i think as a consultant or anybody put in a crm system if you go into business this is why we do it like this well why don't you do it this way or have you ever thought of changing it well what would jean do then like how would she do her job how would she get her reports <laughs> see you later, we can automate it we could do it we could fix it we yeah. could do it this way and give you a dashboard and give you an email whatever no, and, no, and no. I, it's just the way it's been done <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the thing that, you know, eight years ago when I first started with CRM, I didn't I didn't know what the platform could do. I just knew it could do more. Um, oh, that's my dog going crazy because there's a dog walk past. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just thought, like, the platform can do so much more than what we're using it for. And we were paying, you know, a not insignificant fee. I worked for a fairly small oil services company, and while oil price was good at the time, so we had money money to burn, it was still we were still spending a lot of money on this system. And I thought, well, why don't we just see if we can do something different? You know, we were using opportunities but not leads and we were kind of using accounts and kind of using contacts but we had like you know first name and last name and email address maybe but no job titles or no you know no phone numbers with no sales pipeline tracking just nothing being used and I was like well oh, it'd be great if we could do this and then as I got a bit more confident with it I guess I was like well why don't we see if we could maybe kind of push the sales pipeline a bit further and we'll kind of introduce orders and then we can start looking at our projects so we introduced like, you know, a new project entity and recorded at a very basic level what we were doing with projects. And I just got just much more excited about it. And it came to the point where that was the most exciting part of my job. It was like the smallest part at the time because I was doing like sales, I was doing project management, I was doing everything else. And, and there was just like, actually, this is just much more interesting. Um, and I worked there for quite a few years. And then I got recruited by uh, another company in the oil and gas industry to run their CRM system. And it just became this thing that I was just like, well, it, it was it was great to kind of get in and say, well, talk me through your job. Like, how do you do your job when you come in and start the day? What are your steps? One, two, three, four. How do you get to the end point? And, and it's, it's really difficult conversation. It's still a difficult conversation to have with people is to say, you know, what do you do? And they talk through the system. They try and solutionize all yeah. the time. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in the solution. I'll I'll give you the solution. That's my job. Just talk me through your process. Like what, what are the outputs you're trying to get? And people go, oh, you know, I want a report and I want this to be this color. And I'm like, no, like that's that's not what you're trying to get to. What, is it? what you're trying to say is what outputs are you looking for? And then what inputs have you got? Well, we'll develop the system that brings those together. Yeah. If I was to sit you, if I was to sit with you for the day, tell me what you do during the day and why you do it. Yeah. And it's absolutely that. And it's just like getting down to that, like that level of detail. So um, part of my background is uh, I'm a trained ISO 9001 auditor. 
Um, and so, what, what I, I, would you I, do? I, I've done loads of weird, like I've done some really weird jobs. Um, I used to be a DJ as well. Like, yeah, but I've done oh. lots of lots of weird and interesting stuff. After but, party but, sorted. <laughs> yeah, but I think a lot of it was like you know with, with ISO nine thousand one. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge process geek. I, I like visual flowcharts, so I like to say like, what's the start? What are the middle points? What's the end point? What are the branches that come off there? What are the loops that we need to consider? You know, start really getting into the detail. But it's if you just you know what's the start, middle, and end. And then we can break down the detail. And I think trying to get that conversation with people, what I find frustrating is like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm just really, I'm really bad at delegating responsibility <laughs> to people. Um, and so I just want to do every part of the job. And, and that's the advantage I've got. I don't work for a partner, I guess, on like a lot of the speakers that we have, you know, I, I'm, I'm an internal kind of, you know, CRM guy, consultant, yeah. whatever, um, in the company. So I just work within the company, which means I can be my own BA, I can be my own solution architect, I can be my own consultant. And so, which is good, but also... Not it's a single point yet. of failure as well it's, at the same yeah, time, isn't it? It, it? It just is. has that little bit of rope to hang yourself with. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, it's quite, 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 a, quite a big noose at the moment. But it's, you know, and we do have BAs, but it's like if they don't understand the platform and they don't understand what I'm looking for, it can be really difficult. And so it's just trying to get, like, get to that point where I'm like, well, actually, like, let's just, like, make it simple for ourselves. And yeah. so I've been doing the current job that I've been in for, like, 18 months, and we've done a huge amount over the time, but I can see, like, my roadmap of where I want to go. And it's just, like taking up walls of space now see i'm i'm 100 a visual geek as well anything i mean ian you'll know me with my visuals i will randomly send ian a visual at three o'clock in the morning like does this make sense to you i have no background on it i've no idea what it is that he's doing because we don't we and mark have worked together for years but presently we don't work together so i'll get a visual of a diagram no backstory <laughs> and have to relate to him what i think it means so that he knows fine well the people who are who are working on it know what it means yeah, I mean, the way that I normally do it is if you can, um, how do I put this politely? <laughs> and if an idiot can understand it, we use Ian as the example, then a customer <laughs> will understand it. Yes. I told yeah. you it's like you. I, th I think that's what I, what I like, though, is what, the reason I like, like flow diagrams much more than like any other kind of written handbooks is that, and the, the, I guess why I tried to write them is that anybody coming into any job should be able to look at it and say, well, I understand this. I maybe don't understand yeah. the terminology. I yeah. maybe don't understand the entities, but I can make sense of what this does. And so you can follow it from start to finish. And so for me, you know, I, I came from oil and gas. I now work in financial services. I don't have a clue what we did in financial services, but by being able to get the diagrams, if I can understand them, well, that helps make sure the system can understand them. Yeah. So people go start throwing around like acronyms. And I'm like, I don't care about your acronyms. Like, Ignore those. Like, just put those back in your box. Let's just get back to the process. And, it, yeah, and it, where's your control gates? Where's your decision points? What happens here? It's absolutely that. Yeah, and it, and and once you get that, you know, we're it took it took me a while to kind of get people in that mindset in the company I work for, but we're getting there now where people are like, okay, well, you know what, we we want to do this, and we we'd like this to come out of the system. Like, okay, well, let's work back from there. What do we need to do to get that? Where do we start the process? And so, and that that's I guess where where all my experience kind of comes from. The system is just like. What do I want to get out of it? What would I like to see? How do I get that? And I just, I, I don't know, I view CR as just a big puzzle game, you know, a lot of the time. It's like, it's like you know, the customers ask me this, or, or you know, for, for me, it's my end users said, I want to do this. And I'm like, well, right now, I have no idea how we get that. But let me go away and work on this jigsaw, and I'll see what pieces I can throw in, and we'll get something out at the end. Well, I want to make myself an entity dar uh, dartboard with entities on it. What entity are we going to use today? <laughs> so, right, right, I've got a question. Seeing as you've listened to your background there, you're a law graduate, and then you went into IT law. Yeah. 2018, how much did you love GDPR? Uh, do you know what? Like, 
a lot. Um, I had a bit of a lucky <laughs> relationship with it. Um, I, I love the whole concept behind GDPR. I think it's good that we're making people aware of what, what companies are doing with their data. As an end user, I find it so frustrating now that every single website I go on has about 15 pop-ups being like, oh, we're going to do this for your data. Click here to track cookies. Do this, do that. We're going to sell your data anyway. But, <laughs> but I think where it was really good for me and the company that they're working is it forced them to kind of to, to face up to the challenges we have around our data and to think what we were doing with it. So at that point, we had data across multiple file systems, some in FileShare, some in like SharedRive, some in Outlook inboxes, some here, some there. And they're like, and they're like, oh, what we need is a centralized system. And I was like, oh, hi, hi guys, I'm here. We have, we have CRM. Why don't we use that? And it's and, and they're kind of getting there. So we have like multiple practices and, and we're a partnership, and which is really great. But the thing with the partnership is when equity partners who own the business, if one of them says, do something, and then says, I'm going to do it a different way, they own the business. They just decide yeah. what, they, what they want to do. But they're all kind of getting on board with that now. They're saying, well, actually, we need to have a central system with that. And we need to make sure that all of our data is in one place. So we do get these subject access requests, particularly for us. You know, we do we handle pensions, we handle personal data anyway. So we need to make sure that we have absolute control over it. And it's not to say we didn't have control before. I think it was just like we had different controls in different areas. So I think what GDPR has done for us as a business, and I'm sure for many other businesses, has made them think, well, how do we get that in an easy to manage place? And so that's what's led to a lot of work for me, which has been great. So what's so, your take on the difference of GDPR and the Data Protection Act of 1998? Because surely, like, some, to some extent, GDPR is just heightened that that already existed? I, yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Like, a lot of companies went through this whole panic about GDPR. They're like, oh, my God. And it's like, yeah. nothing's really changed. It's just the penalties are a bit higher. Yep. But actually, even if you look at, like, the Data Protection Act and the, the EU privacy regulations that were there, the maximum fine had never been issued. So, like, it's unlikely that the maximum fine of, like, was it 20 million or 4% or of your turnover? 4%, 4 of your turnover before, yeah. before like, like it's so like unlikely that that's ever going to be enforced unless a company has, like, broken, like, the law so many times. They're just like, you know what, we're just going to put you out of business. Like, that, that's the only option here. Yeah. And, and I think 4% could be somebody's margin. It could, it could be. And I think that's, but, you know, but I think it's necessary. You know, if you look at, like, the whole stuff that was going on with like Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and you know and Amazon and Google and everything else and what, the amount of data they have access to now. Well, yeah. it's good that somebody you know and the EU is taking control of that and saying, well, you know what, we need to we need to empower people to have control over their data until um, Brexit and then we're out of the EU anyway. But that's a different story. Well, let's not get into podcast. that conversation. <laughs> Yeah. I think I think that's not a CRM podcast. Nope, not at all, especially not with Mark. He's a pretty good views on it, but that is a totally different kettle of fish. Did you did you use GDPR to fling in any other changes you wanted? I know um, a lot of companies did. Well, yeah, sort of. So one of our biggest issues that we've had as a company is we had um, an integration between CRM and SharePoint, but it was custom built, custom code. It was just. Uh, like a behemoth it was horrendous and it was horrifically inefficient and so it was a real struggle because the systems just never really talked to each other they kind of did in theory but not in actuality and so for us we were able to say well actually what we need to do is to change this to give us better control over it so we've gdpr wasn't the driving force but it certainly was 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 a kind of another another arrow that we could use to, sh to shoot this target with so um yeah it's just like a bit of being able to have something to say well, you know, we need this and when we're speaking to the business and you get one person saying, oh, well, we're just going to go and do this. And you're like, well, actually, you know, according to our, according to our regulations from GDPR, from our legal and risk team, you can't do that. It gives us that, that that kind of, you know, the ammo to say, do you know what? We can't go down that route because of GDPR. Yes. So one I thing I'll, I'll, on you go. 
I think a lot of people kind of use GDPR to put in process changes as well. It's quite a quite an interesting area it's, or subject. That not be protect process governance about the fact yeah. that it needs yeah. to be GDPR compliant and things like that, isn't it? That's the kind of way that guys I think I think we're as good as when you're trying to manage storage and people are, and you're like, well, why don't we delete this? And like, oh, but we might need it. What if we need it sometime? Maybe for in the future, possibly. And whereas now you're like, well, do you know what? Actually, if we're not actively using this data, we, we can't keep it. That's it's such really a huge. valid point. It's such a valid point. It's something that I have had to change my own thought on. I was always one of these people that would remove the, remove permission to delete from most users. Why do you need to delete it? It's CRM. You should never delete it. You should never delete it. Whereas now I'm like, give everybody the right to delete. If yeah. it shouldn't be there, get rid of it. Get yeah, rid if, of if it. If you delete it, it's your problem now. Yeah, exactly. Like we're making people the owner of the data. So if you own the records, you own the data. You have to make sure it's compliant. You have to make sure it's up to date. You also have to delete it if it's not right. Yeah, and I, I think that's really useful. I think, and and you know, it's like it just stops. Obviously, like at the moment, I'm on on prem, but we're looking to move online. And part of that is reviewing our current storage and saying, well, you know, how much do we need to take with us online? Because online storage is obviously significantly more expensive than just adding a bit more capacity to our server. So yeah. part of that is saying, well, what data do we currently have? What do we need to have? What can we get rid of? So what version are you on on prem just now then? Uh, Twenty sixteen. Um, so version eight point one. Which I think has now gone into or in January is going into end of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, we've just went through a massive V nine update like the week before Christmas. That was yeah, a lot so, of fun, and it's yeah, identified data issues, but that data issues not system issues. I think the concern the concern for us at the moment is uh, like say we had this this um, partner who'd put a lot of stuff in in place for us, and there's a lot of custom plugins, a lot of custom JavaScript and whatever. So there's a lot of there's a lot of validation required before we even consider it. Um, but it's you know it keeps me busy. Um, exactly. So a lot, a lot of what we're doing now um, is, I'll talk about my, my favorite tool, but North 52, we're basically using that to deprecate all the plugins that we have, then I've got complete control over it. I, you know, I'm not a C-sharp like, nerd. I, I, I can kind of look at it and I can kind of make sense of it, but I couldn't write it to save myself. So I, I the less so I need to rely on it. With North 52, I got so, so excited. Like when Mark's heard me talk about this so many times. Like One of the things I did at one place was they have leads. And then they would create a contact. So you'd walk into a sales office, for instance, and they would create a contact without checking the leads. Mm -hmm. I used North 52 to search the lead email addresses to find the same contact, post create of the contact. It would then update the originating lead field in the contact with that lead, set the lead to qualified, on, and then create the contact. And you're like, that's awesome. It's just amazing. Like Obviously, Mark's heard, heard me talk about it um, at, at length. Um, I could, I could talk for hours about, about it. I just think, I think it's such an amazing tool. It kind of surprised me that Microsoft haven't done anything in that space. I just think yeah. what it enables you to do is just massive. And actually it's relatively straightforward. If you can write an Excel formula, you can yeah. kind of, you can write an R2 formula and they're so helpful. Like yeah. I've, I've John and Patrick are like the most amazing guys ever. Oh, you got five minutes? Yeah, they have a screen seeker session with you. Two hours later, they're there over your show. It's almost like having them in the room with yeah, you. Yeah. It's amazing, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just awesome, and like I say, I think the good thing with it is it puts control like back to you as like an end user, well, as an administrator. You can say, well, I can go and do this, or do you know what? I want to change this. What you don't need to do is then say, oh, I need to go and find a developer, and I need yeah. to pay them like a standard charge out rate, and then they're going to go and tell me it's going to take three days to do something when I just want to make one minor change. Yeah, because and they need to rebuild the whole thing because they can't get access to the original code, whereas you can see it in North 52, you can add the new option set value or the next extra if statement and stuff like that. It is awesome. Yeah. 100 percent 
So, yeah, and like, even for, for data and rules as well, you can actually give the customer the spreadsheet with the headers and say, right, give me your rules. Yeah, yeah for the decision tables, yep. 100%. Schedule jobs. You can schedule jobs in it to run off in it. I fetch XML to go and do something every day to update. If a lead's been created to go and create, do this or to roll up a, a value it's, of a project. And there's stuff. Just, there's, there's, where, where I find it really useful is, uh, and this is in danger of becoming a North 52 podcast because that's how much I love it, but it's What's really good is the the ability to do rollout fields without using the rollout field functionality. I think that's amazing because, like, obviously being restricted to ten per entity and hundred per per system is well mind boggling. But, yeah. but you know, it's being able to kind of do that on on demand or as you want to, I just think it's awesome. And like all the kind of additional options that they put in, it's just yeah, I, I love it. Again, so the roll up, is... you can use a roll up to be a roll down. I had it at one point where it was rolling up, and then on delete of a record, it would do the count again and update it so it was minus one and stuff like that. It's, I totally <laughs> think me and you really have a sitting of a conversation. <laughs> about well, that's it, like... what we asked, Ryan. Are you talking about North 52 on the day? Um, I, I'm not planning on it um, purely because it's it's a paid option, um, and I recognise it's not within everybody's budget. And obviously, the audience, you know, potentially will will be partners who are not going to want to have another paid tool. Um, and what what I like about North Two is it's amazing for people to use. But what I'm wanting to talk about are more the community led solutions. So once it's been created by like MVPs, so like Jason Latimer, um, you know, Aidan Cascella, like all these guys who have created these custom workflow activities and just released them for free. I just I think there's so much people can do with them that they're probably not even aware of, of the things that they can do with them. Yeah, um, I've, I've just picked up one. I was using the Ultimate Workflow. That, yeah, Andre yeah. Matenko's one. Yeah, um, yeah, and it was for, I can't even remember what it was for now. I think I was doing calculations and forcing roll-ups. Yeah. And it just, right. mind-boggling. You just click, boom, there you go, done. Put your fetch in if you want as well and you can go. One of the first times I used the workflow one was for emailing a team. Yeah. Like the fact that you can't email a team from Microsoft is crazy. Like when you actually look at it, you go, you can't email the team, whereas that workflow goes and gets the individual users of the team and sticks them all in the two field. Like yeah. that's almost well, that, seems that's, genius. That's, yeah. It's, well, that's actually one of the ones I'll be using in, in one of the kind of parts of my session is to talk about emailing a team because that's one of the things that we do. I generally don't recommend emailing out internally anyway. Um, that's what I try and tell my users. I think email is such a lazy form of communication. And just because I send an email out doesn't mean anything's going to be done about it. It's just going to yeah. like clutter to their inbox. And if anything, like me, any annoying emails come in, they'll set a rule, pop it into another folder and forget about it. Agreed. And they'll have this folder with 1,500 unread emails in it. So like anything my users are like, oh, well, we need to send an email out. You're like, well, there's alternative ways of communicating. I say that, I'm also going to recommend, here's how you could email if you want to. Um, <laughs> don't, don't do it, but if you want to do it, here's how. Yeah. It's like that O.J. Simpson book, I didn't kill my wife, but if I did, here's how I would do it. I mean... yeah, exa- exactly that. But I think, you know, but but I think that email to a team is so valuable because there is, you know, there are times when you do need to send out an active communication. You know, I recognise that not everybody's like me and logs into CRM first thing they do, you know, when they come in, into work. I think they should, but, you know, but they, they, yeah. they don't all come in to do it. So being able to say, do you know what, we're going to send out an email once a week or, or once a fortnight or whatever it is with some high value communication rather than here's something happened. Here's this thing that happened. That to me, that's that, that, that it's pointless. You know, create yeah. a dashboard with your latest notifications like or Brasithel's um, got like the push notifications. But I've seen yes. that the C6 I notify. Yep. Those kind of things can be really useful to to like to send communication to people without it relying on clutter in their inbox. People have so many emails coming in their inboxes that I don't want to add clutter to that unless I absolutely have to. So that's what I'm trying to talk about is how we can use these custom workflow activities to really expand that workflow engine. And um, 
and it, you know when you speak to people about like Sierra about kind of work workflows they're like oh but the power platform and flow and power apps which is amazing it's not quite there yet though I think yeah. you know flow flow's amazing but not everybody's on like online not everybody's on the latest version not everybody's really that comfortable with it plus you're limited in flows and whatever else the workflow engine's there there's so much opportunity for it it's so mature now that actually you can do a lot with it and so before you try and get yourself familiar with with flow and trying to write like flows can be really temperamental as well and um, yeah. so i think what i want to do is say you know while you're still using workflows here's things you can do so do you have a title for your session uh, yeah so i called it workflow booster packs yes um because i don't know everybody likes a booster pack if you ever play like trading card games um, it's, Martin, it's value like, add isn't it it's always a free value add <laughs> yeah and, and i think it's just that like saying well actually you know what there are these booster packs out there for for want of a better phrase it's be it sounds better than saying custom workflow activities i think that starts to kind of get a bit too techy for people i'm saying you know what Cody. i think take a booster pack pop it into your system and here's things you can do with it and so i've got a couple of different examples of things that i'd like to show people um that i think will really add value to, to their organization and so once they get that idea hopefully they'll start to think a bit more what they can do because for me where i found success with crm for, you know in, in my past was reading blogs from people and thinking well that's really interesting i wonder if i could do this with that instead and so it's just that idea of kind of planting some seeds for thought I'm a huge fan of the kind of the the no code development. Yes. Um, you know, like I say, I'm I'm not a coder. I am a huge geek. I can write formulas. I can kind of fiddle with JavaScript and like I can write with HTML, and CSS. But but that's all self-taught stuff through necessity. And so being able to say, you know what, if you ignore the code, here's the things you can do, fairly straightforwardly, to really add value to your organization. Yeah, I think we're the same. I mean, I can I can look at code and I can see where it's broken and what to fix. Yeah, but ask me, give me a blank bit of paper, and ask me to write something from scratch. I have no idea, and I'm I'm 100 with you. No code solutions is definitely definitely the way forward for me. And I think it makes such a difference. Obviously, and you talked about like just an upgrade, you know, to to V9. And one of the things you have to go and fix is all this like JavaScript, like you know, like event handlers all over the place because people have been like, oh, really quickly. And it's one of my biggest frustrations with the with the online forums, like the community forums, is that. The answers to about 99% of the questions are these developers going, just write a plugin or just write yeah. some JavaScript. And I'm like, well, that's that's not that useful because it doesn't actually help you when that breaks. You know, if you, if you didn't know how to write it in the first place, how are you going to know to fix it when it breaks? Yeah. yeah, there's the implied knowledge with that as well. I've found out when you look at a blog, like there's some great, great, great blogs that get a great Thank deal you. about the code. But there is then this implied knowledge of you know how to start that code. You know, you know how to write the, the context around how it loads that type of thing and if you don't know how to code then you're just never going to get that as mark says he can look at it he can see what it's meant to be doing and he can say that's where it's broke but then has to give it to somebody to fix it you don't want to be doing that that's where the no code 100 percent comes in yeah and, and that's it i can look at stuff and i can see it's broken and i can probably attempt to fix it but do you really want to deploy my think i can fix it in your production environment <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I've always said like, like to, you, to, to my boss and to people I work with. It's like, you know, I can read it and I can kind of make sense of it. And if you look at North 52 formulas, they look quite codey sometimes. But actually, if you go through the logic, they make sense. And, I, and you know, I guess C-sharps probably like that too. I just don't have the background. I'm not a computer science, from a computer science background, obviously. And, and I don't really have the time and probably the motivation to go and learn C-sharp um, because I'm not sure... I'm not sure if I have that much value because I, I, yes. I believe the way the Dynamics platform is going is to be away from that anyway. You know, that's why Flow is, is configured the way it's configured, that you can do these kind of front-end formulas or, you know, when you do like Azure Logic apps and things, that you actually kind of, you don't need that, that coding background so much. 
Yeah, that's why I think it's strange that some companies are still driving quite highly to to hire developers, partners as well. I think you want BAs, you want consultants, you want people who can do Power BI. Bringing in developers and high volume of developers is is strange because for me, as you say, Ryan, it's 100% going away from that at the moment. So that's kind of covering what you were you're talking about is there anybody session who you're looking forward to to going to see so many sessions i i like <clears throat> i i realize i'm talking to you guys about what i've organized but i think this is honestly one of the best sessions i've seen for for dynamics um at, at all like the lineup's just incredible um, i think for yeah i think for me um i'm really interested in, in megan walker's session um partly just because i think megan's awesome and um, so i'm always interested to hear her speak um i'm gonna butch this name but sarah Lagerkist. Um, <laughs> Um, I think her, hers would be good, again, because it's no-code hacks. I think that, that's always really good to kind of to look at and to think, well, you know, is there anything I'm missing there? Uh, Mark Smith, um, I think, would be quite quite an interesting one too. Um, but, you know, but generally, I think, what I'm struggling to do is to work out where I'm going to go on the day um, yes. because there's so many sessions. So so hopefully it'll like, all be recorded and we can, I can all go and see it afterwards. But, yeah, I think it'll just be such a good session. And, I'll, I'll, and yeah, I think there's just so many really exciting ones to see. And this is your first speaking engagement, isn't it? It is, yeah. No pressure then at all, Ryan, yeah, none whatsoever. Yeah, We're yeah, not no, all no. going to be standing pointing at you, don't worry. I, I, I like that knowing that you put me first up on the day as well. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's really nice. You know, after the keynote, it's like straight into the first guy. But that's more, I, to be fair, i done that more <laughs> to help you out so that you're not lingering on the day thinking, oh, that was an awesome session. And let's be honest, you don't, at that point, if you're first up, you don't have to be better than the person in front of you because there wasn't anyone. <laughs> yeah, no. I, to be honest, like I'm not that bothered. Like I am. Um, like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I'm fairly confident in my ability to kind of convey that. Um, so I think I think it'll be good. Hopefully, people turn up to it. There are competing sessions. I'm, I can't remember who's lined up against me at the moment, but don't worry but, about it. Just focus on your own. But yeah. but you know what? But I like for for me, it's like I don't know. It's part of the excitement is just getting getting the opportunity to write that down and, and to share that knowledge and to see hopefully you know if it helps if it helps one person in the room then then i think it's done the job my favorite quote that is a hundred percent my favorite quote if somebody takes one thing out of it is worth the whole event yep. just yeah. to give that person one bit of knowledge so on that note ryan where can we find you online where are uh, well, you so well i've got i've got my own my own website which is just uh, ryan ryan nipper.com so n-i-double-p-e-r um there's the, like a whole history behind the name let's um, go for it then you've yeah, got so, you've got another minute yeah so well okay so so my dad was quite a small man and um, when he did his apprenticeship he was a like a mechanic mechanical fitter Um, everybody called him the wee nipper and it's just kind of stuck ever since Um, so it's been passed down like from him to me because i'm quite a small man too Um, and so i've kind of stuck with it. so yeah ryan nipper.com or on twitter really underscore ryan um, or just on, on LinkedIn, um, you can probably find me too. So, fortunately, I've got quite a lot of connections, so I'm connected to quite a lot of people now on LinkedIn. Um, so it's u- usually fairly easy to find me if you're looking for me. So here's me hoping there was a story about you being a fast little winger that was... Uh, I, I like to believe I was. Um, I was fast. <laughs> I was, fast. Um, I was useless at football, though. Wow. Um, I've just got, like, terrible terrible hand-eye coordination at the best times. And in my head, I can see exactly how the play goes. It's like, nip down the wing like Ryan Giggs cross it in sunny in the box to meet it what actually happens is i hook it off into the stand somewhere <laughs> yes. um and the fall over or, or, or miss the football completely yeah um so yeah i uh, i love playing football i am absolutely terrible at it uh, it disappointed me a little but we'll go the, the original story <laughs> we had dad and handing down the name that's fine that's awesome 
Well, thank you very much, Ryan. I can't wait to meet up with you again on the day. Yeah, it'd be good. Thanks very much, guys. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. That was good to catch up, Ryan, and listen to all his North 52 chat that he had. So we've now got Reese Campbell. How are we doing, Reese? Ah, great. Thanks. So the first thing to notice here is I obviously thought Reese is kind of Edinburgh based. I was expecting Reese to be from Edinburgh. And you'll tell from the, the accent, he's he's not. So give us a wee bit about you. What's your background? Where are you from? How did you get into dynamics? So uh, there's a few questions in there. Uh, starting from where I'm from, uh, born in South Africa. Uh, came over from South Africa to Scotland when I was eight. Mum's um, South African, dad's Scottish, hence why we came to Scotland. Um, and actually grew up in, in a little town called Aberfeldy, middle of Scotland. Uh, yep. And couldn't wait to get out of there. Terrible. <laughs> so, that's, that's shocking. So for everyone else, Aberfeld is maybe about maybe 10, 15 miles away from me. Um, it's not that bad, really. But you heard you were there and wanted to leave. I pretty much are. <laughs> There's only one person in Dynamics in this 25-mile radius. <laughs> that's true. I had to grow my circle. So <laughs> no, I, I escaped to, to Edinburgh when, uh, when uni came around. And so... Um, that's kind of where I've stayed. I've, I've fallen in love with Edinburgh, been in the, the area ever since. So been in this neck of the woods for about 16 years now. And as far as dynamics is concerned, I kind of, I kind of fell into it. I, I started a job in, in IT, oh, it would have been eight years ago now. Um, and it was actually administering a dynamics platform. So it was actually working with a company that was using it for their sales and their uh, customer service. And I was administering it and getting data out of it. So I think it's one of the things I, I, I credit my my customer facing side of Dynamics 2 because I've used it. I've used it in anger. Uh, and so I know how frustrating it can be to actually use. And therefore, I also know how powerful it can actually be as well because I've, I've had both sides. So it's one of the things I tend to with developers. I get really frustrated when they don't think about how the user is actually going to use it because most developers don't actually use the system. See, this is where I think there's a little bit of a difference. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to, to developers at all, but I feel you've almost got you've got developers and you've got coders. A developer will develop the solution and they will think about it. A coder will just do what you've asked them to do. And I think nowadays you need to have a developer who is also almost a BA because you don't want to do this part of the system because this won't be able, you'll not be able to use this, or the follow-on, the knock-on effects are going to be this, whereas a coder will be, I need props, pal, on you go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. The platform is so extensible. You can you can make it do anything you want, but the question is, should you be doing that? And, and that's, you're right. There, there's a good, there is a definite distinction between the two, and you're absolutely right. People need to be asking questions. Not too many. It's, it's still good to <laughs> at least have a bit of, in a, uh, a bit of gumption to go off and do something as as you need to do, as in solve the problems that are there, yeah. but you still need to know when to ask the question of, well, how is the user going to use this? And should they be using it like that? Is there a better way to do that? What are my options? Yeah, especially even now with the, obviously we've got the, what we're calling it now is the modern interface. Mm. Classic you, interface. No, that's the old one that we're not allowed to Classic talk about. Classic the UUI, okay. No, the new UI is called the Modern Interface, I believe. It is this weekend. By the time next week this podcast goes out, it may not yeah, be. Yeah, true. Fair enough. It's, it's, it's been through at least three incarnations so far. <laughs> so with your dev hat on, do you think about user experience? All the time. 
Uh, it's, it's, it bugs me if you don't at least have a thought of it. If you're building something, if you're building an admin function, you've got to think, how's that admin going to use it? And that generally should be leading you down the question of, well, have we even set anything up for an admin? As in, is there a security role for an admin? How, how do they actually use the system? Because you don't want everyone to be sysadmins. That's the other thing. That's one of my other bugbears. Every, every developer will always be sysadmin. They've, they've built their solution and then they go and put it off to the tester and the tester is testing as a user. So, yeah, no, and it just not it falls over that. no permissions to this entity straight away. Yeah, exactly. So when you clash yourself, or you clash yourself as a developer, do you code? Do you do anything code like that, or are you out the box? So my job title currently is uh, CRM technical consultant. I am. I've moved more towards development again. So I, I do it all over the place. I, I, I as I say, I started off in admin and and working with the system. So out of the box at the time was the only way I could do things. Uh, I then moved into a developer role where I was developing plugins and JavaScript and and all that side of things, so I would develop quite a lot. And also at the time, I was working with people that liked to develop rather than to actually use the system. I very much lean towards out of the box where applicable and develop the, the edge cases, um, sure. depending on what it is. So for instance, yeah. something I worked on quite recently was um, a pricing system. So within CRM, you've got your standard sales uh, opportunity pipeline. And there's actually uh, a taxing engine in there. So there's actually a way to build tax calculations into the system. For, for me, you develop that. If, that. if that's core to your system, and that is, I mean, if you want to calculate VAT and tax, you can't get that wrong. So that, that really has to be built into the system properly. Whereas where we were working, the, the guys who were building it, for some reason, they just, they loved custom plugin steps. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why? It, <laughs> There's just so much overhead to them. There's so much potential for it to go wrong. You've got it in the middle of a chain of, of events that could easily fall Something over. Oh. Why would you do that? Uh, so for me, it's you use the right tool for the job. And the most important thing for any developer is to know what tools have you got available. See, I just get scared when anybody talks about customizing or dev when we're talking around money figures, because yeah. that one dot in the wrong place is the difference between a hundred thousand and a million. It's just that's how how scary yeah. it gets. Yeah, but that's that's definitely where you kind of you need the BA hat on to make sure that you're not just okay. Yeah, that that, that formula you've told me looks fine. Let's just go with that. You you need somebody to say, "Are you sure?" Are you really sure, Mark? Mark, hello, wakey wakey. <laughs> so you've just you've just moved to a new role re quite recently, then. Yes, yeah, last five weeks. So I've uh, joined a, a big. Well, what are they? They're, they're, I suppose they're system integrators uh, called Ergo, based out in Dublin. All right. Uh, okay. They're they're a good company, good size. Uh, so I've worked at a large company. I've worked at Lockheed Martin Lidos. So that's ten thousand people across the globe. Uh, and and our our little section of it, the CRM side was a very small section of the UK team. So I've worked in a big company. I've worked in very small companies with CompanyNet and C2 in the past. So they're very small uh, CRM houses. And now I'm so sat in between the two. Nice little medium-sized company where they've actually got quite a big CRM practice. There's about 30 people that work within CRM within the wider company. Um, but they're they're quite an entrepreneurial big company. So okay. that they're always chasing innovation and, and ways to do things better. Uh, and it, it's good. So far, I'm really enjoying it, really enjoying it. Yeah, I think in Ireland at the moment, there is quite a big push on Microsoft partners to kind of upskill yeah. a lot of people and get everyone going. So it's quite, 
it looks to be a good a good place to be. And you, you mentioned Dublin there as well. Mm-hmm. What we were going to ask you is, have we ever met before? We have. Um, that's how I got into all of this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so Dynamics 365 Saturday. I went to the, the first one that I've ever been to in, in Dublin. Uh, the only reason I went to the Dublin one is I missed the London one. Um, and so I ended up, I thought, Dublin is not far away. I can get there for 30 pounds or so. So jumped on a little Ryanair flight and went over there and had a great time and thought, I want to do more of this. And you stayed um, in a hostel as well, didn't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to stay in a hostel. So I was in the hostel for two nights. Uh, the first night I stayed there, but the second night, because my flight was at five in the morning, I figured, what's the point? I didn't enjoy it. So I just <laughs> stayed up, drank with Chris uh, for much of the night, was pretty much the, the last person to leave the hotel. He just stumbled up to his room. I jumped on a bus and ended up in the airport. <laughs> that just that describes Dublin at all. Because that night before, I think me and Ian had to put Chris to his bed at about three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, we flew in. We flew in quite late on the Friday night. Got a taxi from the airport all the way to the hotel. Walked into the hotel. The first person we see is Chris. Well, first person we hear yeah. is Chris at the bar. And Chris <laughs> is there. And he's like, hey, man, what's happening? Shouting everything like that is when we walk in. So we sit, we try to go to bed, and he's like, "No, no, no stay for another beer, stay for another beer." Like, Mark's like, "I don't drink." I'm like, oh, "I'm tired. I've been on a flight. I've been at work all day. I want to go to my bed. I've got too much stuff on tomorrow." Uh, but his enthusiasm, his enthusiasm keeps you going. Oh, it definitely does. He he runs on something else. But <laughs> this is not his session. He is not here. <laughs> He's only getting well, spirit. There is the Dublin and there's also the South African link as well. So, there is actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just thinking there. So we have, now that we know this, so we've got Reese, Chris, Kyle, and Bruce Nicholson as well. So there's four South African Yeah. The South Africans get around. Uh, they, they really do. You know, they don't want to stay in their own country, so they escape. <laughs> and there's probably somebody else I've missed off that list as well. Yeah, there'll be somebody else with some sort of heritage to it and stuff like that who has actually changed their accent rather than everybody else who keeps their accent. <laughs> I don't, leave I don't the even... country but keep the accent. Yeah, that, that's the weird <laughs> or a thing. hybrid form of it. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't even know where my accent comes from. Uh, having grown up mostly in Scotland, it's I've never picked up any of that. I'll, I'll say the words, but I won't say them in any sort of Scottish form. <laughs> See, when I, when I spoke to you in Dublin, I didn't pick up the accent at all. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and, and so many people mistake it for Canadian or sometimes Irish, strangely. I'll, I'll hands up and go Canadian, 100%. Like, I was talking to Mark about this. I was like, I think he's Canadian. His accents definitely sound like a bit more Canadian. It's like the about type thing. It's <laughs> almost, but it's not. I was like, it's such a strange, I don't know where it's from. So, yeah, yeah. obviously, as, as everybody's gathered, we met in Dublin. And uh, at the point we had been chatting a bit on LinkedIn and things like that, and Reese compounding across the whole, the, the foyer of Microsoft to me and was like, "Hi, I'm Reese." I'm like, "Who is this guy? What's <laughs> happened here?" So that's how we ended up getting this chat, and and it's got all snowballed from there, isn't it? Yeah, that's the that's the only way to do it. You just got to go over and say hi. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That, that's that. that's what we're after. We're after the whole community spirit. We want everyone to. Two things I want people to take away. I want somebody to learn one thing new, and I want somebody to meet somebody new that they not wouldn't necessarily meet. And if that happens, the event's been an overwhelming success. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's for me. And, I mean, what you need to do is you need to remember the people you speak to, because I'm a nightmare for forgetting who I spoke to and who people <laughs> are. Like, 
taking photos, scat, taking pictures of ID cards. Don't be offended if somebody comes up and says, can I take a picture of this? Can I get you on LinkedIn? Like that's definitely for me the best way to do anything like that because I'm the well, same. It's so busy, so many people on the day. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've been to a few different sort of events in the past for just various sort of techie type things, but that, that was the first sort of CRM one that I've been to uh, was the Dynamics 365 and it was a great, it was a great event. There was loads of people and the, the Dublin one had loads of, of great talks. But it was. I met lots of people through that day that I will meet again, and I'll look at them and go, "I know him. I was speaking to him. Now I know who he is." Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, exactly you remember that. the face the first time, second time you get the name, and you just kind of keep it going from there. So, yep. on that note, what is your session, and what what is it about? What's it called? I need to look up the the title again. I can't. I, I change it every time I think about it. But effectively, it's it's what I've learned, the lessons learned from uh, Dynamics three six five portal over a year uh so it's so you're focusing on the portal then yes yeah so it's so this is my first presentation it's the first time i've actually done a, a talk to at any of these events i've done lots of these sort of little techie talks and things in companies it's one of my things i really enjoy doing i generally implement at every company i go to is some sort of lunch and learn or some sort of techie meetup type thing within the company cool. so I've, I've done lots of rambling talks so this is the first one i've done as an actual presentation in front of Lots of people I don't know at all, so a bit terrifying, only a little. Oh, no, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, so you attended my session in Dublin. Yes. And I, I didn't even really have a presentation. I had, let's be honest, I had 20 slides and I just talked to everyone for an hour. Mm -hmm. That, that, that's different. People have different styles and that's it. You just, you'll find a connection. You'll be able to read the room within about two minutes to find out they're just going to sit there and soak in every word or they want a wee bit of interaction. I mean, the one thing that I would always do to help you along is put a slide of Ian in there somewhere and just say, bad portal user. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm bad admin. I'm, I am, like, the the arch enemy of everything, CRM, apparently. And then and then you get people to tweet me abuse, yeah, yeah, telling yeah, me I'm bad, no yeah. idea why. And then you realise that you were part of somebody's session. I really like that. Actually, I've been thinking quite a lot about the presentation of the yeah. last few days, especially, and it's it's one of these things. I it's a weird nervous excitement I've got right now because I'm a little bit nervous at standing up, but I I think that'll be fine. As soon as I stand up and I start talking, I know it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but I am excited because, as I say, it's my first one, and I'm just thinking of what am I going to put in? What am I going to say? Where am I going? How am I going to do this? Uh, what exactly is the format of what I'm doing? And I'm trying to be prepared. I'm 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 the person that handed in my essays the day before throughout uni. Pretty much the entire of Unity of Uni. That's what I did. Um, but for this, I'm trying to spend a bit more time actually building it properly. So I've taken a, an interesting tack, which my wife suggests. I'd never really thought about it, but I'm writing out the full thing in long form. I'm actually writing wow. effectively an essay. But the reason I'm doing that is so that I at least have one view of what I'm going to say, because what I'm what I'm talking about, I can ramble about it quite easily. But the problem then is that I don't. I won't be able to get what I really want across in 45 minutes, which is yep. what I'm aiming for. Uh, if I ramble, I could easily take an hour and 45 minutes and still not get through what I actually need to get through. So I'm writing out long form, trying to basically, I'm just blurting out as if I was speaking it at that moment, I'm typing it. And then once I've done that, I'm going to basically read through that, record it, and just see how long that is just talking. If that's an hour and a half, then I know I need to cut it down. If it's 30 minutes, I know where I can pad out. So. It's a lot more effort than I'm used to, but I am noticing that it is much better. I'm, I'm more confident already. So the first 
few slides, I've gone over it so many times in my head that I think that it's that's easy. So I think that's good. So it'll lead me into it. But the the sort of the format of, of what I'm talking, it's it's effectively a story. So I, I'm not going very technical. I don't see the point in being too technical in these kind of talks because, well, for me at least, I'm not. I am technical, but I can't get enough detail across in that format of talk to make it worthwhile for myself. If it was a workshop, that's a different thing. But for me, what I'm going to do is try and distill literally the lessons that I learned over a year of the portals so that anyone that what that looks at the presentation, listens to the presentation, is there, can walk away from it going, right, now I've got a few things I need to think about if I'm going to do portals. I need to make sure, I now understand that the only way to update the CRM is through a post back to the server. So if I want to do some sort of fancy client-side single-page app, I need to find a workaround to make that work. Or if I have some special requirement to interact with another service of some kind, I'm probably going to have to look at Azure Functions or something that integrates within the Microsoft ecosystem because it's easier. Um, so it's things like that. It's little nuggets that through building a project with specific features that I had to implement, I found out along the way. It's the kind of things that you could start putting together an event booking system and realize, crap, someone has to click submit 20 times for this to work. This is horrible. See, so, this is where I think the event itself is brilliant because we have got, we've got the uber technical sessions that maybe Julian will be running. We have processes from Janet. There's, there's different things for different people, and people will want to know about portals, they'll want to know some of the technical stuff, but they'll also want to know what to avoid, what are the pitfalls, what what can you do, what should you plant the seeds of thinking about. It's not just everyone's going to learn, everyone's going to have a laptop out, and everyone's going to start coding things and there and then. It, it's putting people in the right mindset for it, because what we touched on earlier was having the BA hat on, uh, being able to think about everything, how many, as you say, 20 clicks, how many clicks through to something, is that user-friendly? If you've gone through projects and have that experience, that's invaluable to you as a person. And if you can bring that out to 50, 60 people, however many people are watching you, not that I'm putting any pressure on you for your first talk. <laughs> um, it's brilliant. It's, it's fantastic. It's different, it's different products, it's different types of presentations, and it's just... I just think that's brilliant the different ways that we can do it and especially the way that you're thinking of it. I've been I've dabbled in portals in and out. Customer needs cases, they need to just surface basic things. Yeah. But I've never gone any further than that because where I'm working at the moment we have we have a dev team that we would pass that off to. So mm -hmm. you might see me sneaking in at the back, having a be listening to your one. Well that's I'm exactly the same. Like where I am just now they've built a complete custom portal. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have CRM portals at the time, they had a a web uh, a DevOps team that went and built a complete custom portal that integrates back to CRM. It yeah. does everything it needs to do for them, and that's great. But it doesn't give me time to look at portals. So something like that, as Mark says, where you get the nuggets of information, and you've said yourself, it's it's food for thought to go away and plant the seed, think about it, and see what happens, so that you don't go down the same pitfalls. Or if you do, you can identify much earlier that you're going down the pitfall of fifty clicks. That, that's exactly it, and it's it's as much as anything when it comes to any CRM project. I think it's a skill that every developer needs to build is the knowledge. I, I mentioned earlier the the idea of of knowing the tools in your toolbox. If you know the tools in your toolbox and you know the 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 benefits, uh, the pros and cons of that tool, then it makes you a better developer because you can say right. So 
you want uh, you want a system to be able to give your customers access to their cases and submit cases. Great, out of the box portals does that perfectly. I mean, there's no need to really even change it. Just put a bit of styling on it. You're good to go. It's free. Go for it. Yep. Uh, but then when they start saying, right, okay, so we want to do that, but now what we want to do is we want to actually add in some extra stuff. So when they're going to submit that ticket of some sort of issue, we want it to uh, use some artificial intelligence, cognitive services to tell you that, oh, by the way, that here's a solution to that already. It's like, okay, that, that's a little <laughs> harder. Portals yep. doesn't do that, so we're going to have to. Uh, so it's it's knowing what the system does and what it doesn't do. And, th and that's part of what I'm trying to get across in the presentation is, in the year that I, I've spent with this project and learning portals, this is literally from nothing. I didn't know anything about portals. Uh, so in a year, I personally myself and one other guy who was actually the designer implemented the entire website and portal for a customer. And that is their front-facing business. That, that's what wow. they do. Um, so it is a very good system as long as you know the issues and the pitfalls and what you need to do to work around them and how much work that is. So a big part of what, what I will go into is performance and what that means and what that doesn't mean. Um, because that is a big, that's the one thing I'd say when it comes to portals, that's the thing that you need to consider more than anything else because you have no control over it. It's a black box system. Microsoft yep. hosts it. They have it in shared hosting. You have absolutely no control of what they do with it, where they put it, how they do anything with it. So you need to understand what that means. And it's so like context to the portal or to CRM, D365C, whatever you want to call it, or actually, both? Both. A little bit of both. Uh, there is definitely, because the, the portal is based on Dynamics 365. So as a result, all of the data for the portal comes directly from Dynamics 365. If the platform is running slow for any reason, then the portal is going to be running slow. There, there's, it's, that's just the way it's built. So it's, it's understanding that kind of thing. So oh, I have a million questions already, and I don't want to do them in this podcast. Oh, the th oh. <laughs> so yeah. you, you're, looking, you're looking forward to that session already then? Oh, I'm, honestly, I'm sitting here thinking the million questions. So does that mean like a workflow, or if you've got some custom workflow execution steps or slowing down CRM because there's all these chains, that's going to impact, really, that's going to impact portals? I didn't know that. Like, wow. So that, that is actually one of the parts. So the, the, the format of my talk is basically... It's, I'm going to go day by day of the, the problems that I've solved to implement the features that I'm implementing. So I'll, I'll introduce what the project was, what we needed to implement. So we needed a members directory. We needed an event booking system. We needed a public-facing website with over 4,000 pages. So those are the features that I'm implementing. And then I'll go basically, day one, what the hell is a portal? <laughs> day two, right. the history of the portal. Don't, yeah. don't tell us your whole session, right? We need to hold that, out on that. We need to so, tease people on this one, right? So, so that, that, that's the format. So it's a little bit of a story. But one of the things I do talk about is exactly what you just said there of, of uh, the things that are impacting your CRM are going to impact the portal because the portal is based on the CRM. So you do have to, there's parts of what I was implementing, I have to take that into consideration. And it's one of those things where if you were new to, develop, to developing the portal, you might think, right, well, I'll just use that out-of-the-box entity and that process and everything will be fine. And then you'll go down that route. So you'll start maybe working on it for two weeks. And then at the end of two weeks, you'll go, this just isn't work. I can't get it to work. I did that already. So the whole point yep, of the presentation exactly. is to talk about those kind of dead ends I came across. So is there anybody, have you given yourself time to look at what we've published as the session so far? Or you've just been so busy focused on your own session that you don't really know what's happening and you're just going to take the day as it comes, do you know? 
Well, so I, I'm, I'm uh, designated as the, the last uh, session of the day, so uh, I, I'm going to be spending the entire day thinking, right, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? That was funny. I want to take that into my presentation. Um, <laughs> so, no, at this point, I haven't really looked at the, the schedule as such. I've looked at the, the other speakers because uh, I know some of them, at least from having met them and a few of you guys that have been chatting along the way. So there's, I don't know the specific sessions, but there's, it's one of those sort of things I'll probably look at closer to the time when I'm a bit more comfortable with my own presentation. I know that um, is it Jonas Rapp? I don't know how to pronounce yeah. his name properly, but he's the XRM guy, right? Uh, he's yes. the one, the XRM toolbox guy. I, I'm intrigued to see that because yeah, he's I see his name everywhere. Yeah, so you're was him and Tan guy. So you're actually cool. leading on to Jonas. He's the next person we're talking to today. Ah, okay. Well, I should sit in on the session. <laughs> <laughs> We we will um we will send uh, your regards to him, but yeah, there, there are there's some some awesome sessions, and what we always do as well is you have the people who you people on last so that people stay, so you you're an advertisement, you're on last so that people say I need to stay the whole day because Reese is talking at the end about portals, see. It's all about the marketing that you have to do for these things. Everyone I thinks, thought you were I, helping me. I, th I thought you were just putting me on the last one so that everyone else has left already, so it's a smaller no, group. No one's leaving. Once you're in, we are locking the doors. Yeah. So <laughs> in, I've, I've spoken the last, I think, two out of the last three UK ones. So I spoke about field service in London in January and then admin tools in Dublin. So the one in January was the first session. And the one in Dublin, I think, was the last one or the second yeah. last session. Yeah, it was one of the last ones, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think there's really a preference or a time for it. I think if you're the first one up, it can be the night before can be quite daunting. Yeah. Or if you are the last person up, I don't always think you can sit and fully concentrate on, on all the sessions. So in Dublin, I kind of – I'd done two or three sessions – and then in between the sessions, I went back to the green room, went through my stuff, made sure I was happy with it. But I think the way that you're writing it out and making it like a storyboard and the fact that you've, it's your project that you've been working on and you know it more than anyone else, I think is going to help it. Whereas my talk, I think, was on admin tasks. Yeah. And it was, here's just features and things that you can do rather than, something that I have personally been through. So I think definitely once you've gone through a couple of times, you're going to be sorted. Yeah. I think definitely with the event as well, because it's a community driven event and for everybody attending, there is no cost to it. Yeah. It's one of these things where the people that are coming want to be there for the session. So I think they stay, hopefully we have a good turnout. Yeah. We're not really locking the doors. You can get a hall pass. It's fine. But, I definitely think people stay for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, the other part we do is where we have a prize giveaway at the very, very end, and people will want to win a Surface Go or a pair of Microsoft Surface headphones that the sponsors are donating for prizes. So everyone will be there for the full day. I don't think there'll be yep. there'll be many people leaving at all. So and no pressure at all, Reese. Nothing no, no, no pressure to you. <clears throat> we'll, we'll talk about the prizes. The prizes are there for everybody. It's, mm -hmm. it's not prizes for like the speakers for doing the best speak. It's about participating on the day with the community, the people that attend. And so there's prizes for them. So that's just a little bit of a carrot to get people to stay as well, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And um, if 
I keep banging on about it and people will be sick of listening to it. If one person learned something from your session, your session was worthwhile. That's the way I, that is 100% the way I look at it. I mean, hopefully... Yeah, I don't think you're meant to learn, Reese. I think it's meant to be somebody in the audience. But yeah, that's still a valid point. If you learn something, it was still worthwhile. Yeah, that's... Especially these days, that, as you say, there's no charge for the tickets. Nobody's paid to speak. It's all done as a community for the community spirit. And if people can take away things and learn things, that that is the best thing for the community that we can do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So is there anyone that you're looking forward to meeting? Any names that you've heard, obviously mentioned Jonas there. Um, is there anyone else who's coming over that you think, wow, I've spoke to them online. Um, I can't wait to meet them in person. I, I think it's, it's one of these things they, I, I don't know. I mean, you were saying there's quite a lot of people that have booked out the event already, and, and I noticed that in Dublin there were a few people that I met there that I was like, that's amazing. I, I've read your blogs. I know you. <laughs> Neil Parkhurst was one of those ones. So yeah, Neil, I, I don't, yeah. uh, He might attend. You never know. He's not speaking, but he might attend because he's, he's certainly in the same place. So uh, that was great at the last event, certainly, to just randomly bump into people that I – because I'm, I'm still quite new to the community of Dynamics. So I've been working with Dynamics for about eight years now, but – actually actively being involved in the community and, and trying to, to give back through presentations and blog posts and using Twitter, I'm very new to it. So for me, it's there's a few names that when I get introduced to them, I'll be like, wait a minute, I remember a blog post that you did, <laughs> or I remember that name from XRM Toolbox. So someone like Jonas Rapp, I use XRM Toolbox a lot. So his name yes. crops up quite a lot. So he's, he's definitely one of those ones. Ben, um, ben is a, another character that... <laughs> I met at Dublin and I didn't know who he was. Uh, at the time, I, I just I was just handing to him because he was just sat there and I was like, "Hey, how you doing?" And he was like, "He sounds quite knowledgeable. He's but he's he's a he is a character." So as I'm talking to him, I'm like, I think I should know this guy, but I don't know who he is. And then we we'll learn until later on. Characters probably the nicest thing he's been described as on this podcast. <laughs> now, Reese, have you actually listened to the Ben Volmer song? No, I have not listened to right. What I would suggest you do is um, have a wee look on LinkedIn or, in fact, I will tweet it to you later on, the Ben Volmer song. I, song. I look forward to it. It is brilliant. Is, is this a, a not safe for work kind of uh, song? Um, no, I think it is safe for work. Good I think, to know. No. I think it is. Well, it depends who is work, I suppose, because it's, <laughs> it's about Ben. I can't remember. I don't think it's uh, very explicit or anything like that, but it just no, like, I don't think there it is. captures his personality. I, I heard people talking about this and I thought it was an absolute joke, like the Ben Former song. I'm like, what is this? What are people saying? Found it, listened to it, and I was like, actually, it's on CRM audio. Is it okay? Yeah, we'll get you a link over. It is brilliant. But yeah, there, there's lots of people. There's, um, there's people booked up to come from. There was one in Brazil. Um, I have no idea. Maybe just a, a random address, but it was Brazil. There's people coming from all over Europe. We've got talkers from America. There's just so many different people. Um, and as you say, there's going to be... Oh, I remember... Cause I, do, I answer a lot of questions on the Microsoft community forums. Mm-hmm. And I'll recognise names. So, oh, yeah, that was that person that asked that question. Did you ever get that fixed? That's just the sort of thing. Um, and you'll find the more and more you get into community, because I think at the moment it's perceived that there isn't a big community in Scotland for Dynamics. Yeah. Which is bullshit. We all know there is. 
there's lots of different pockets of people talking about different things all over the place. And what we're doing is we're bringing all of these people together, whether it's through D365 Saturday, whether it's through CRM UG Scotland that kicks off in February. It, we're trying to bring it to, to the forefront. So, I mean, the fact that we've got the country manager for Microsoft coming to do the keynote speech. Mm-hmm. We've got Ben Vollmer coming over from America to talk about things. There's a community there. 230 plus tickets gone already. I think we're close to 240 gone already. That shows you the community in Scotland. And I would say a lot of them are Scottish people. Yep. So I, I think very community. much like, like Rhys has said there, part of dynamics for eight years, not massive on the social side of it. And it's because we have, as you say, these wee pockets of communities. I'm the same, like I'm quite involved in lots of the things that Mark's just said, probably heavily involved, to be honest. But on social media, I have my bearded CRM guy, I have my LinkedIn. But I'm not massive on it. I don't tweet on it. I'm the type of person that Marco testified to this is I come across an issue, I fix the issue and I move forward because I'm grumpy and I just go on with it, right? And then Marco tell me about it six weeks later or six months later. Oh, did you know this? You could do this. I was like, yeah, check or chat. I told you that months ago. I was pulling my hair out over the issue. But I just, I don't give myself time to write up about it and share with yeah. the community like I should do. So for me, that's what I want to get out of this is not just help host and push on these events and things like that. It's actually about being more vocal myself in that environment like you are. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. 2019 for me, I've, I've set kind of goals for myself. Uh, professionally around dynamics and part of that is I want to to do more uh, speaking so go up and go to events like the user group go to these dynamics three to five Saturdays and and speak but also I have a blog I don't write on it very often but I want to write on it a lot more so I'm, I'm trying to set goals for myself that are I'll, I'll start off relatively small I'll get one blog post a month if I can do that I'm doing well um, and it's it's it literally is every day I'm solving problems that I can be blogging about. I'm, I'm, I'm solving something at the time. I'm looking at it going, I've just spent quite a while trying to find the answer to this. I, I bet that this would be a good thing to blog about. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what Ian does. And I keep telling him, just write it down. So as you're going through the steps to fix it, just get, keep going screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. And then at the end of the month, just write something around it. That's that's what I've been trying to tell Ian, haven't I? I've been at you for... 100%. And my, my thing, I, I, I look at it and I go, does somebody want to know about that? Is that something that's going to get me... Uh, is that going to be a good blog? Is that going to get people reading it? But actually, I think I need to flip my mindset on that so that I blog more. And I'm not blogging necessarily for you to pick it up. That's a, a happenstance of it. What I'm blogging for is that for when I next come across that issue again in two weeks' time or six weeks' time, I then go, I've written about this. Do you know how many like times I do that? For me. I Google something that, that I've, um, I'm trying to figure out, and it's usually my blog that comes up. <laughs> and it's, uh, do you know what one it always is? It's always the how to edit the blocks on the schedule board in field service. <laughs> I've probably viewed that blog post more than anybody else has. My, blog, not, my biggest blog post is actually on, uh, I think it was, Field service or project service, it was basically fixing a problem that came up, which was when installing it, there was a weird bug and it popped open an error message. I was like, what the heck is this? And I spent a little while trying to to get to grips with it and realized that, that all it was... Activating the workflow. Yes. It was literally <laughs> the workflow hadn't been activated. And the amount of people that have commented and read that particular blog post, because yeah. I... It, my, my blog post, my biggest thing that holds me back is more than anything else, I want to write a really long post. 
I, I ramble when I talk, so when I write, it's exactly the same thing. So, I want that to go, so that's I, where I, the I, rambling Reese comes from, then? It is, it is. Absolutely. Uh-huh. It, was a, it was actually an original blog idea that I had where I'd be rambling Reese, and what I would do is I'd either rant or rave about something, and there would be a ramble. So the rant would be an angry, what the hell's going on here? The rave would be, this is amazing, that we, everyone needs to do this, and then the rambling is just generally day-to-day you know, shooting the shit, so to speak. Uh, so it's that's where that idea kind of came from. Uh, so but where can the, we find your blogs if we don't know you? Where can so, we find you online? Yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. I need to work on, on amalgamating into one single place. But right oh, now, wow. the best place, yeah, exactly. The best place is xrmtechie.com. So that's my, my blog, xrmtechie. Uh, it's, uh, I, I figured that's a nice way to just sort of distill it down. But then, as you say, Rambling Reese is, is what I've got on Twitter. But I like that because it's not specific to CRM. I don't use Twitter specifically for CRM. So for me, I just need to work out all these different personalities into one <laughs> brand. But really, for CRM, xrmtechie.com is, is the place for me. Awesome. And also, man, it's also syndicated on D365 blog. So if you're subscribing to that, you will see Reese's name popping up whenever he, he does one. But no, uh, some of your blogs, as you say, the field service, one of the workflows, that's, um, that's one that gets everyone. That's... I've obviously read it, knew what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually it's surprising how often you pick up somebody's blog, you've read it, and you think, oh, I, that was you that wrote that. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. there's a few, like, that's the, the thing, I think, for me, for 2019, I'm going to try and, and target writing a blog post in a certain less than a certain number of characters and, and okay. stick to that. So not like a Twitter, but sort of like say, right, I'm going to write something that's not 10 pages long. I'm not going to go through <laughs> step by step. I'm going to you know say, what? I just literally found this issue. This is what I found. This is how to fix it. Done. Blog post done. So Antti does that in a little way. So he does the version number. Here's my problem. Here's my solution. Yeah. He does maybe go into a little bit more depth and rambles and rambles and rambles and rambles and releases one every three days. But I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, there is the brilliant you can get twitter out in 180 characters or there's the blog format there isn't that little bit in the middle where you can just say boom here here's what it is and that's that's where i kind of that's the, the space that i want i want in there i, I do write a lot of blogs i'm kind of i'm actually not doing many blogs at all now and it's all going down the youtube route okay because that way i can point and click and show people what's happening yeah and it doesn't have to be written out here, screenshot written out, and it's. But again, and it's not in the tiny little format. Of this was a problem, boom, solved in twenty characters because it was never solved in twenty characters. I googled the shit out of that and thought I figured out how to fix it. So, no, so xrmtechie.com. Dot com, yeah. Perfect. Uh, and rambling Reese on Twitter. That's the one. So yes, we will. Look forward to all the blogs that are coming next year and your first talking engagement. That's going to be awesome fun heckling you. <laughs> You've got no space for hecklers. This is a planned out story. We are not allowed in the room. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, uh, I'm not, not going to let you in. Then. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> I have the keys to all the doors, don't worry. <laughs> No, you're more than welcome. I, I, I like questions, so as, as long as you save it to the end, then they'll all be good. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing you can also do is you can get people to tweet you at the end as well. Get oh, yeah. any questions, get them to tweet you. Keeps your conversation going, definitely. 
increases your social media profile because people are sending you questions, you're replying to them, the more questions, the higher up the rankings you go. As long as they're in context to his, his subject matter, don't just tweet him stuff about like, why is an orange orange? <laughs> why is he in a bad portals user? So that's in context. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be, do you know why? Because I don't know how to use portals and that's why I need to go to Reese's session. I thought and, it was flipping a switch and it turned it on, I didn't know. And if you do need to use people and you have to hide names for anonymity, I would just go with Ian as being one of the names you use. <laughs> Ian had this silly requirement. Of course he did. Ian, Ian is our user and has to do something really stupid. I had to tell him off. <laughs> Right. right, well, awesome. thank you very much. Great. We will pass on your regards to Jonas, who we are just away to patch in now. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys. It's been good. Cheers. And I'll see you soon. Cheers. See you later. Take it easy, mate. Bye. Bye. So, we've just finished talking to Reese about his portal session, and now we are going to bring in Jonas Rapp. We are just discovered we're all really bad at pronouncing his name. He may tell you what it is totally differently, but for me, it's Jonas Rapp. So, Jonas. Who are you? Where are you from? What is your background? How did you get into CRM? Everybody probably knows your name already for Fetch XML and stuff, but I'll let you talk about that. Okay, hi. Well, as you tried to say, I'm Jonas Rapp. Uh, <laughs> I live in Stockholm, Sweden. I've been uh, in this uh, IT business since like forever, 94 or something, and working with the um, dynamic CRM. I, I slipped in on, a, as we say in Sweden, on a banana peel. It's like when you don't really have a master plan, but something happens, you get in touch with someone. So I banana peeled my way into the CRM business, uh, followed the next colleague that, uh, that started here. And uh, well, from then on, I'm doing a dynamic CRM or 365 or whatever. Um, come from a developer background. Uh, that's what I've been doing all the time. And uh, now I'd say nowadays that I have this MVP badge. People think I know everything about everything. So it's a lot of PowerPoints and solution architecturing and everything. So the development stuff is more or less, uh, well, that's uh, in the evenings in front of the TV just to relax a bit. The, that's when I get to do development again. So day to day, you're not actually doing development at all. BA solution architect sort of work? Yes, I think so. It's really fussy what I'm really doing, but uh, I get called in now and then to projects where things have uh, got stuck or where they are starting up a new big project and just want to hear my, my views on the whole uh, solution and so on. So that's mostly what I do currently. So you're like yes. a CRM gangster fixer. You go in and you fix problems. <laughs> exactly, the fixer. <laughs> so that's, that, that's now going to be your name. Like I think you should change your handle and everything, Jonas. <laughs> Jonas Rapp, the fixer. Yes. And we can just put a wee gangster hat on him as well. Part of yep. the Stockholm Mafia. I don't know if they exist. We have yet. <laughs> and it's just Jonas and Sarah. So, yep. The pair of them. So you said in 94 you've been in IT. Has it always been, like, was it dev work before you got into CRM? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, developer. I, I started, worked a lot of years in, uh, used Borland Delphi, or I think they switched the company name after a couple of years, but uh, I was doing development there and uh, took some uh, 
.NET 2.0 course uh, somewhere, and uh, that's that's where the banana peel started. They wanted someone who was fluent in C sharp and development and CRM, and I had no idea what CRM was. But uh, developing, I've been doing all the time, and I mean, languages don't differ that much. It's just a semicolon here or a curly bracket there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone generally goes out and says, I'm going to become a CRM consultant or I'm <laughs> no. going to be a CRM dev. It's always, oh, I, I accidentally clicked on a button that got me into CRM and now I'm a power user. And yep. then all of a sudden you're a, you're in support, then you're a consultant, then you're a BA and yep. you're you're the CRM person. Absolutely. And all that, all that within the space of a month. It's like nobody's, I've gone to uni, I want to work in CRM, Dynamics, FinOps, anything like that. It's just, oh, accidentally here we are but once you're in it you don't want to leave it i mean that's no. my personal view anyway i just think it's awesome exactly and i think that's um, the thing that made me stick in this business is uh, that we don't have to do all the boring stuff i mean when you develop something from scratch you have to build everything build data models and uh, do all the plumbing for the forms and everything to the ui you get all that for free here and i think that's really the power of this platform not just i've actually when we're talking about crm i've never done a crm project uh, where, where we talk about customer relationship management just sales and service and those stuff uh, okay. most of the projects i've been working on have been uh, xrm solutions in some kind so we we use the platform to create a line of business application in one way or another. So, and I think that's where we have the true power of the platform. Did yeah, you I mean, see that power platform? Uh -huh. There we go. <laughs> Buzzwords. That must have been on an MVP list somewhere to get that one out on a podcast. Yeah, as soon as we get involved in the digital feedback loop, we can really tell you and get the power of the platform. <laughs> it's like power platform bingo right here in this call. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, the floor. so when you were when you were building say an XRM solution, would you use any of the kind of core entities, or would it be fully XRM? No, it's always been. I mean, you use the core. Um, it could be just accounts and contacts, or even uh, you have cases and and uh, some some of the core functionality. But then there are some parts of it that you just never touch. Don't use the products out of the box or invoice uh, stuff there. We've created those on our own, uh, but um, no. But I'm I'm really looking forward to my first true XRM project where we start from a naked XRM, the CDS database, just without any of the first-party solutions. Uh, I ha I haven't come there yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, with all the different app types that we're going to hit and all the different data we can pull back and forward. Um, I was listening to Chris talking to Mark Smith the other day about this and just how he's looking at building Canvas apps, model-driven apps, and different different people connecting to the same data source from different avenues. Yeah. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's, it's definitely the way forward. I can't, Absolutely. I can't and, wait to and, get to uh, that. Yeah, and, and for us that come from the old CRM side of the business, uh, we have this huge advantage. And I think it's really great that the core of the, the whole new Power Platform and CDS and everything is still our old fashioned CRM platform. So yeah. we, we know how to work with that and I really enjoy that. Total game changer though, I think, with the whole CDS coming in and everything that it can do. Absolutely. And we've only seen the beginning, I think. So you did mention there that during the day you're kind of doing more 
presentations, you're you're the firefighter or the Swedish mafia gangster, and you're doing coding at night. What what is it you're doing at night? I mean, it's a loaded question. This one, but what sort of coding are you doing at night or development are you doing at night? I'd say it's mostly around my external toolbox tools now um, to sort of look into if I have any issues, if there are bugs or if I have new ideas. The the most fun thing is, of course, when you get new ideas to expand and make them even better. And I, I actually have a tool or two in the pipe that um, I haven't launched yet, just uh, new ideas of things to use. So I'd say that's that's the fun part. I'm still, I, it's rarely that I go completely out of the box and all of a sudden start developing a portal or whatever. But I, I stick to things I know and that's where, where I have my relaxing moments in the couch. Now, now that you have just mentioned portals, you do know that Reese now has like a hundred questions for you. He's going, to, he's going to have so many different questions for you. He was singing your praises when we spoke to him and talking about XRM and his session is on portals. So mm-hmm. the fact that the two you've just mentioned the two in a sentence there he's he's going to be he's going to be at you all day awesome awesome so are you able to to mention any of these things that you're working on or is that going to be saved for your your own podcast your um tool xrm toolcast yeah i i think i mean when you really don't know if there will be something of this eventually or not uh, i i think i will just um keep this to myself for now (laughs) I think one of the good things that you've been doing recently, Jonas, is uh, looking at the plate or getting reporting on your tools that are being used and publishing it, seeing yeah. where you can see how many people are using it, where in the country they're using it, what version they're using, and pulling all that analytics together and all that telemetry from the, the plugins that you create. I think that looks amazing right now. That must be quite yeah. fun to see that coming in. I just need to learn some more Power BI and how to sort of store the data because the App Insights, it's based on the Azure App Insights and it only stores the data for three months, then it's out of there. So I would like to find some way of storing this uh, these metric, metrics and uh, get some more Power BI skills to, to really make something happening. But maybe I could get help from someone to do that. But, so yeah, on I, the day, we yeah. have Claire Carmichael talking and she's talking about Power BI. I should see her then. Yes, that's that's we've we've answered one of our our follow-on questions later on and who you want to see. We've now told you you're going to see <laughs> you're going to see Claire. So and potential Julian as well with the Azure stuff. He's yeah. Julian's really learning Azure, and that's what I'm looking for in his session because as you mentioned, you know, the App Insights. Yeah. I tried having a play with App Insights myself, putting it on a CRM and logging different mm. bits of telemetry of who's opening their contact and things like that. But yeah. I couldn't really work out how best to put the code on the page of how to get the telemetry into the into Azure so that I could then manipulate it and things like that. So I, I hands up, gave up because yeah. I'm having I'd, to run a JavaScript on a page load and things like that. And I just was thinking that the overhead of it is crazy. Yeah. No, what I would recommend is have a look at uh, Jason Latimer. He's published a uh, repository on GitHub for Azure App Insight logging from Dynamics, and that's yes. based on plugins. So I think it's only based on plugins. So then you don't so have I do, to do I, did, I did download his stuff oh, and right. I couldn't work out how to get to it. I, couldn't, <laughs> I, I had it in Visual Studio, I looked at it, I manipulated it, I pulled out the DLL and yeah. then got lost. I didn't know what to do at that point. <laughs> no, great. But, yeah, I have to, you mentioned uh, who I have to see in, in Glasgow. I, 
I'm really thinking, should, shouldn't we make this a whole weekend thing? There are so many oh, sessions and there are so many parallel tracks. This is going to be, I mean, you just go home with this, that FOMO feeling. Yes. I missed so much. I missed a lot more than I could attend. So uh, hopefully... You'll be working too good. <laughs> hopefully the plan is to record all sessions. Yeah, that would and be good. we will make them available to the wider audience as well. So if they have missed out, we will have them up on YouTube just so my channel can actually get some people who might look at it one day. Yeah, <laughs> super. I mean, so, and you can have them as reference material as well. I heard something yeah. about someone who talked about something, and then you can, when you get stuck, you go and look at that session. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really valuable part of these uh, sessions that are posted as well. Yeah, 100% so, because you can't write it all down and watch the session you, you can't multitask that well at it it's just impossible yeah. so you're right being able to review it and play it back it would be an absolute and if the presenters if the presenters use powerpoint the way i do just to bullets and then talk yeah. around it then the, the part the decks don't really help either yeah that's exactly how i do my sessions here's a here's a screen here's three three bullet points yeah. and they, they bullet points are just reminders for me for what i want to talk about they're not really in any context for anyone to look at and um, so so the plan would be have the video recorded in the full session and have the powerpoint just down in the corner that that's what the plan is we, we will fingers crossed get that because there are sessions that i want to see that i know and um, it's been a nightmare. I mean, I initially started to organise it and put the sessions together based on, right, if I put this person here, it means I can see them and then go to that one. And I thought, no, do you know what? Let's just, <laughs> let's just get get everyone in, get a, get a decent flow. Yeah. So, so talking about sessions, what mm -hmm. is your session, Jonas, and what is it covering? What's it called? Well, I, I'm doing the same session as I did in uh, Saturday in Stockholm, but it will absolutely not be the same, I can tell you that, because my session is uh, very open. I have like one slide presenting myself, and then I just uh, say, okay, let's create an XRM Toolbox tool. And I will take uh, sort of ideas from the audience, write them on the board, and then we'll do a quick vote to see which one, and then I will start live coding on stage from scratch, creating a tool. And uh, hopefully, there will at least be uh, an embryo, something to start with uh, going up there. It will not be a finished tool, but I think it would be great. I think the session is aimed at anyone who is wants to have a tool, needs, sees a void, something that we need help with. And also uh, for developers interested in creating tools to see that it's not a big thing to, to to sort of you don't have to learn everything about it you can quite quickly get into the coding and not having to focus on all the all the wiring and plumbing around it but simply use the template and the, this is where you start and you can focus on the logic you want to implement that's awesome that's like the stuff that with xrm tool XM tool where yourself and Tanguy, etc., have built, as you say, the plumbing around it so that you can quite quickly create your own plugins, etc., on it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm intending on uh, showcasing there and also making it a bit of fun and uh, super scary by not knowing what I will do. That's awesome. So, XM toolbox at its best, fun and scary because you don't know what you're doing <laughs> half the time in it. <laughs> exactly. So, you did mention you spoke and um, you've done the same thing in Sweden. What, what was the tool that they? Uh, what we started creating then was a tool, uh, Duplicate Finder. 
uh, that does a lot more than the uh, out-of-the-box functionality. So you can basically specify, okay, I want to look at this entity and uh, check these attributes and uh, show me all the duplicates. I used that last week. <laughs> I used it last week, found 72 duplicates. The only problem I had with it was I couldn't then export that list of duplicates to a spreadsheet or to do something else. That was the issue that I found. I all then right. had to copy and paste individually. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it wasn't the tool we created in Stockholm. No, 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 I just used one part of it. Yeah, 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 I just used one that was in it, and I thought that I didn't know it was there. Yeah. <laughs> so was there any really mad ideas that anyone came up with? Yeah, the one I would most like to do, but uh, that's really mad. I, it's simply just not possible, I think. It's uh, converting dialogues to Canvas apps. Okay. Good please, idea. Please, 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 please make that, please. <laughs> I have no idea where to start even. <laughs> but that would be really useful. I know where Mark would start with that. Mark has a phrase where he likes to say, burn it. Yep. Just set it on fire. Burn it. Burn it, set it on fire, start again. Yep. No, I mean, I think you're going to have quite a lot of different different people wanting some different tools or with some different ideas. It'd be quite a quite a good one. Have you any ideas off the top of your head, you know, what you would like to see? Uh, not really. I try to go in with sort of a blank mind there, but uh, I have an idea of what, what uh, tools I will use in the development. Because there are, there are, there's actually a small, small community of uh, developers that create components to use in external toolbox. So that you, for instance, uh, one thing that I've been using for many years now, in, and in the Fetch XML Builder, and actually most of my tools, is a grid view that's uh, possible to bind to a CRM entity collection. I mean, the, the data grid view available in the WinForms development is uh, can take all kinds of collections, but it has no idea what the CRM entity collection is. So I created, created that one. And then there's this uh, Jim Novak that has created yeah. a few other controls for, for instance, a solution dropdown. So that when you if you should select a solution, you can just add that control and it will load all the solutions from the source system. And uh, well, a bit like that, entity selector and uh, attribute selector, and a few so of those the, controls that really makes it easier to to start working. So does that mean you you've got kind of the base there, and you can just plug in these extra controls that can half build a tool for you? Exactly. And then That's, again, again, just like with the platform itself, I don't have to do all this boring plumbing. So I, I can focus on the logic I want to. Implement. So just when you kind of mentioned Jim Novak there, there's actually D365 Saturday Boston running on exactly the same day yeah. that both Jim and Michael are running. So that should uh, give them a little bit of a shout out to, to yeah, anyone who's, who's not in Europe. Yeah, exactly. I, I know Jim has, uh, has done a session at some point uh, where he also created, started from scratch and created a tool, but he, he went the coward way and had a, had the plan already set. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking it to the next day. So what we need next time round then is somebody to put both of you and to give you two hours on a big theatre stage and just have a an app off and just build the best tool. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's fine. That's ideas for next year. A new take on a hackathon. We're having an app off and it's an M2 <laughs> box app off. <laughs> that that yeah. could be quite cool. Mm -hmm. I, I do. I do like the idea of that one. Yeah. So you mentioned um, 
obviously we said that Claire's session would be quite good and there's a few other, is there any other sessions that you, you're thinking of taking in or are you just going to take the day as it comes? Um, I, I started looking at the, the agenda and the, it's pretty packed so I'm there's two sides. I want to learn cool things and I want to see cool people. <laughs> so you have to sort of pick and choose between those and to see, okay, do I want to see this guy, this girl, or do I want to learn something really? And uh, hopefully you can do both <laughs> at some sessions yeah, as well. All our speakers, I mean, I think we've done quite well. I think all our speakers, apart from Chris, are quite cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like I we mean, should dial are... him in and give well him to represent himself when we say things about him. No. Yeah. No. So my my agenda is not uh, set yet. Uh, I don't know if it will be until the morning. Uh, there, we'll see. It'll change. You'll you'll create an agenda and then it'll change on the day. You'll get speaking yep. to somebody or you'll listen to the podcast and they'll say, "Oh, this is." This is what I'm speaking about, and you'll think, "All oh, right, awesome! I actually now want to get into that and learn whatever they're talking about." Yeah. So it should be quite cool. So you're obviously you're coming over for a couple of days to visit the lovely island or Isle of Scotland. Um, is there anything that you're doing out with the event? No, <laughs> there isn't. This is, I've been traveling so much lately, so this will be a short trip, just going in uh, Thursday night and back uh, Sunday morning. So I don't think, or if there will be time to do something, I'm trusting you guys to guide me. Yes, um, you did mention you wanted to go to a Celtic game, but we can't allow that. <laughs> we, we would have to, we'd have to rearrange total things, and you wouldn't want to go and watch Celtic anyway. No, no, no. Course, it would have to be St. Johnston, but they're not playing that day. No, he's good, right? Yeah, you could go and watch, yeah, if you want to watch in front of three people. <laughs> yeah. So that's... Well, um, that's what it was like. I was actually the other week when I was uh, away just before Christmas on work in Connecticut somewhere. I watched the Hartford uh, Wolf Pack, which is like the New York Rangers uh, secondary team where they pick up the, the new guys from. And it was like in a stadium for 10,000. We were 400 people there or something. But it was good yeah, to the, see some hockey. The football yeah. team I go and watch here in Scotland have one stand. Like, okay. It doesn't surround the whole, it's one stand and probably quarter full. You should uh, definitely come to Sweden uh, for next season and uh, watch some Oiko play in front of 50,000. Uh, that, that's uh, football at its best. Who gets 50,000 my team, Oiko. It's uh, St- yeah. we have three uh, teams from Stockholm, and uh, this year two of them were actually competing ag- about the Swedish title. And uh, I was uh, this fall. They had two games where they filled the arena with fifty thousand. So that's and uh, it's not like I mean when you go to some sports event in the U.S. Go to American football there, and uh, all they when when the crowd re- is really into the game, they just make noise. Yeah, <laughs> no singing, no chanting, no nothing, no uh, flares or anything. So, yep, come to Stockholm, watch Oiko. Yeah. I mean, the the no singing, the no dancing, that sounds like going to a Man United game. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was actually at the hockey last night. I sent both you and Auntie a picture of that. I was watching Glasgow Clan. And mm-hmm. that's, that's actually my first hockey match that I've ever been to. And the place was full. Well, And I, I just I didn't expect that. What does Brayhead hold? So a few thousand at least, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. It must be something that's fairly big. So Brayhead clan play in the EHIL, so it's a 
league across the UK, the Elite Hockey League. So it's like all the way down to England, back right up to Dundee that play in it. So they, they do pull quite a crowd, to be fair. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. There's guys up at the back with the drums, hammering the drums, singing along. I was like, brilliant. This is definitely the atmosphere yeah. that we like. But you mentioned oh. that you over in over in America. Were you at the, the American football recently as well? Yeah, this uh, when was that? Beginning of December, I was in uh, Houston and watched the uh, Texans versus Browns, and uh, well, it was a good game. But uh, as usual, the crowd leaves uh, before the fourth quarter, and uh, I just can't understand their their yeah. culture on the stands there. So um, I, I'm thinking we should uh, try to teach the Americans a thing or two uh, by going to an NFL game in London next season, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I went to, it was the Jags against the Cowboys about three years ago at Wembley. Mm. And just, it was on Remembering Sunday as well, so the 11th of November. And it was just unbelievable. The whole crowd had the stickers to hold up, flags on the pitch, flyovers, national anthems. I mean, the crowd was just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then I was in New York about three weeks ago and went to the MSG to the basketball okay. and it was dead for three quarters. <laughs> it was just, I mean, big, huge stadium, great lights, great entertainments, but just nothing for three quarters. It no. was like everyone went to sleep for three quarters until the end of the game and then it got a bit rowdy, but yeah. then everyone had to go and get the, met- the underground so they didn't miss their connections. And like last 10 minutes, there's nobody there. So you got like a, a five or 10 minute yeah. burst of excitement and I'm like you've paid all that money just to just sit there and eat. I was like, oh, it, it. they definitely portray that well on when you see it in TV because that does not come across like yeah. uh, I think if we're going to the basketball game is like every game's like the Gallim- the, the Globetrotters going crazy I think yeah. every game's like that but it's just yeah. not no, I think they're busy eating hot dogs, and uh, then, as you said, they have to catch uh, catch a subway or go to the car before the traffic starts. I think the only one I've not been to is baseball. Have you managed to get in any baseball games? No, I haven't. I, I, don't, I, don't I can't imagine it much uh, much more fun on the baseball. It's more about stats and things, and it's about the plays. It's all numbers and things. It's I, would rather, like, I would rather watch hockey and see somebody have a fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, I mean, when I think of baseball, I think of cricket, but a bit more lights. And cricket can send me to sleep within, like, the first innings. So I just, yeah, I don't know if baseball would be would be my sort of thing. No. Me neither. So, so that, hopefully that gives everyone an idea of who you are, because I mean, as if nobody knew who you were anyway, let's be honest. <laughs> but it gives everyone an idea of who you are, what you're going to talk about, and maybe plants a seed for everyone to think of. Let's have an idea um, yep. for the day. So where can everyone find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter, hashtag, no, not hashtag, but the at uh, Rappen, R-A-P-P-E-N. And you may wonder why that, well, it's uh, the E-N at the end of my last name is like the in English. So I'm oh. the rap, it's Rappen. See, that's, that's again, that's total to gangster. Total yeah. gangster. <laughs> exactly. But you, I rap. think you probably won't find me doing much in the... the 
next week, as we're recording this just before New Year's, I am going to um, to the Swedish mountains to ski for a week with my family in a couple of hours. So you just caught me before we're leaving. Oh, awesome. Thank you very much for spending some time with us today and doing yeah, sure. some time out because obviously packing up for going away for the week takes priority for the new year. It does. Yes. Awesome. Thank you very much and have a lovely time away with your family and we will see you at the end of January. We will, absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Cheers, thank you. Bye. That was quite interesting, finishing off with Jonas there. I think, um, I think one of my ideas for the day is going to be like a baseball simulator that you can put into the XRM toolbox. That'll totally mess with them. What, just stats and figures, just throwing out random numbers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. It's or, definitely going to be interesting on the day. Or make the entities, make all the baseball stat entities in dynamics and get... Get it to somehow surface. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something out. You just want ERD that looks like a baseball diamond, don't you? Oh, there we go. That's exactly it. That one would be a stormer. I don't care what it does. I just need the ERD to look like a baseball diamond. Yeah, I'm not even going to be allowed to go into that session. <laughs> you, no. You're going to be standing at the door blocking me from getting in. <laughs> Definitely. So it's quite a. Uh, a diverse lineup we've had today. I mean, there's everywhere from rocket science, well, not rocket science, international law students or international International man of mystery. I think he's actually a dairy milkman in a part-time life. I mean, is this actually like a full gangster set we've got? So we've got Jonas from the Swedish House Mafia. Are they not a band? Why do I know that? The Swedish House Mafia are a band. Is that why they were a band? Steve Aoki and stuff. I don't know. They're talking about reforming, but anyway, that's a whole other story yet again. So, I mean, we're getting themes and songs for everyone, so let's just then pipe him in with some Swedish House Mafia. Thug life. So, so we've got him. Ryan becomes, yeah, the international man of mystery. And then Reese can be uh, some sort of gangster as well. I've not kind of thought our role for Reese yet in the, in the whole that's... gang wars turf war of Glasgow that we're going to get ourselves into. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We're going to get ourselves shot before we Remember that game, Turf Wars? Did you ever play that? Turf Wars? A random, stupid, wee, free wee game that you got, Turf Wars, and you had to actually, like, basically be a gangland boss. Was that just like a Grand Theft Auto knockoff? Uh, yeah, pretty much, but it was like one of these sort of role-playing games where it just a text on the screen. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Buy and sell and stuff and things like that. Is that not Tinder? No, that's just swiping. Yeah. We'll ask Chris later on. Chris will tell us. Somebody will fill us in on that one. But anyway, yeah. Definitely a bit of a diverse lineup today. And the running theme of today, coincidentally, seems to be that everybody fell into it. I think that's... I think... I don't... As I said, on probably all three of the, the chats, nobody says, as a career path... I want to get into dynamics. It definitely seems to be the way of it, for sure. Like, There's no definitive path. This is how you become into dynamics. It's just like you you stumble across it, you reach out, you find the community, and you grow with the community. Yeah, there's there's that little something that makes you have to do it. And it's usually reactive as well. It's not, oh, I'm looking to get into this or I'm looking for a career path. It's, I'm working somewhere and shit has gone down. I need to figure out how to fix it or how to do something with it. And all of a sudden you're there and you become the person who knows everything about it and you have to just learn. Yeah, definitely. And that's 100% where, for me, definitely, my growth has always been that 
community element and I know we keep banging on about it, it's the point of this obviously to some extent for us, but it is reaching out to people and, and having their blogs and having all that stuff there so that you can continually grow because yeah the learning port was there and it's great, it's got things like that, but sometimes it's just not a real world scenarios which is what people talk about in their blogs and, and podcasts and things these days. Yeah, and even the YouTube. I mean, that's that's a great the fact that we've got so many people from the community who do all these different things. I mean, not just necessarily the speakers who are there on the day. There's people who are there on the day who are the bloggers, who are the YouTubes, the podcasts. I mean, there's lots of different things. Even if it's folk people answering questions on forums, there's that so many different people there, different walks of life, different businesses, different verticals, all coming to one place. It's, it's yep. just weird. I think that's going to be good as well because of the space that we have for it on the day being so big and with all the sort of different breakout areas that aren't specific to the rooms. There's yeah. time for people to network, there's time for people to socialise, there's time for people to have sideline chats. You know what? I wish I could be a fly in the wall on every single one of them because there'll be so much to learn, oh, so yeah. many topics of discussion that you just want to be like, I want to be part of that, I want to grow with that, I want to know that. Yeah, I mean, it was quite... Was it last week we went to to the venue for the Connected Field Service Hackathon, the after party and the actual, the tech as well. It was yeah. it was actually amazing. I didn't realise, I mean, obviously we, we knew we booked a good venue because we wouldn't book a bad one. But it wasn't until we got there where we kind of thought, this exceeds our expectations. And as we were going round and we, we knew what we'd got, we knew everything that was happening. And it was like, but you also get this, and you also have access to this, and if you want, you can go here. And we're just like, you could see my mind just going round and round and round. Oh, the two of us went off in crazy tangents even on the day. Like, if anybody knows us, or even over the course of his podcast and listening to us, you get that we are slightly unhinged, but in that good way. But I think that's what makes the community awesome, and, and accepting of that. Like, they'll take everybody... And we just bounce ideas off us, each other, something awful in that venue. Can we do this? Can we do that? And it just kept growing. And we were getting excited about space. I don't think I've ever cared about space before in my life. But I was thinking, well, that needs to be here. That should be there. Can we do this? Can we do that? I was almost doing forward rolls up and down the carpet just because I could. And yeah. even through the lady who was showing us around because there was no furniture in. Yeah. She was like... And you would have, no, there's no chairs here, and you, oh, there's nothing here. It was just like a huge, a vast open space that we were just like, yeah, we know exactly, exactly what we did. To the point where you, the main auditorium, so it's a 300-seater auditorium, where the keynote and the end of the day speeches are, you walk into it on the ground floor, you go out the top, and you're out into the, the foyer area where all of our rooms are, where all the sponsors' tables are. I mean, it's just... Just the logistics of the whole place has worked out very, very well. Uh, it's, it is amazing. I mean, I definitely commend the architects that, that built it and designed it because they have 100% thought about it and we just fed off of it. It's so well laid out. It's such a nice venue. It's really relaxed. It's really comfortable. It's not like a lot of other conference centres I've been to over the time where it's just like a big empty space, which is which echoes around. It's, it's just really warm, really nice. Even from the whole reception area. I mean, my, my worry was you got to reception, you had to go up three flights of stairs, you had to go this way, that way, and the other way. Now, you walk in reception, huge picture off somewhere. We don't know where. If anyone can give us an answer, tweet us. I'm not got a clue <laughs> where that definitely big America. is. It's not, yeah. it's not Scotland. It's not Glasgow. It's definitely no. America. The, they're blocks. It's streets and blocks rather than 
Glasgow and everything's just dumped in different bits. But you walk in, you've got reception, you, you turn to the left and you can enter the auditorium by the base, or you can go upstairs where registrations are, and you register, get your coffee, and then they walk in the top doors. It's, it's brilliant. Two big, huge screens. There's even projector rooms. That's going to be awesome to mess with people. I see dead people. We're so not going to have time for that. It's going to be such a, as Jonas has said, it's such a full card and a stack yeah. card. It's awesome. The, the speakers we've got are amazing, certainly in my eyes. It's why we booked them, to be fair. We think we can all bring something to the community. Everybody's got something to say, and they're great people with a great relationship and, and the willingness to give. And it's weird to think that we went from having two rooms when we actually started to plan this, where me and you were speaking. We had we had all the we had a few speakers lined up. We didn't think we'd get near the traction we'd managed to get for this. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. The transactions, or the tra- the traction, even has blown me away in that way. Where I just think, wow, like I knew there was a community. I knew it was there. I just didn't know that it would it would cause the, the kind of ripples that this is causing and it's amazing and it's such a great thing for everybody to feed off and I think it's it can only get bigger and the, yeah. and the famous words of D-Ream <laughs> things can only get better the summer of 98 I'm googling that but I'm thinking D-Ream 98 roughly Professor yeah. Cox played the piano for D-Ream there's a random D-Ream fact really? yeah he was a, the pianist yeah, be careful with that, because that might get somebody on the list. Anywho. That's been awesome catching up with everyone and having a wee chat with yourself. So we will catch everyone else next week. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers, bye. Cheers, bye. Dynamics 365 Saturday Scotland will take place on the 26th of January at Strathclyde University Tick. This could not be possible without our sponsors, Red Spire, Ebex, Incremental Group, and Cognitive Group. See you there.